wanna be the best in the game Invest in my name, check no restraints I'm obsessed with the pain, I ingest, I retain Assess and I change, possessed by the thought I'll be free one day from society's restraints Money, clout and fame, mud disease, a plague We all love to hate, have to play the game Have to make a name, all our insecurities are on This display. is war with the enemy Think that it was meant to be Living in a time where diseases Hey, what's up everybody, it's Ash And we are here now officially with the first season's first episode of Tactical Awareness Thanks so much for everybody listening to the first one um, and left us feedback and comments. It was really useful in deciding how we were going to approach this series and doing things. Um, we thought a bit about like how we wanted to do our um, sort of like seasons and episodes and just somehow we were talking. Uh, Dan brought up a great point and you guys did too. That very often we slipped into just kind of like full infinity speak between Owen and myself. And it wasn't super useful for people just starting off into this hobby. So we decided what we're going to do is kick off this first season with some groundwork. This is going to be an episode you can refer back to in the future. And in the show notes, you'll find a link to a document, which was my brain basically spilled out on paper, about list building concepts for beginners. How do you get on um, writing a beginning army list? And how do you wrap your head around all the possibilities and profiles in Infinity? So... Um, without further ado, we're going to jump in uh, and we're going to lay some groundwork, some stuff we can call back to, some roles and terms, and some different list building formats that in the future hopefully help you guys um, sort of parse our list discussions. And this might be old hat for some people. Uh, it's by no means comprehensive. It's like a starting off point uh, that we found useful. And hopefully you guys do too. So big thanks for listening in. Uh, and here we go with the first season's first episode of Tactical Awareness. All right, well, let's dive in on episode one. This is roles and combat groups in Infinity and Four and basic list writing fundamentals. Um, so before we get started on the meet, the uh, primary objective points of this mission, uh, I was just going to catch up with everybody and see how your week went and what you guys did in your Infinity hobby. So why don't we start with uh, Dan? You uh, you got another game in. Yeah, I uh, I was like pretty confident. I won my first game. I got some really lucky criticals and that had nothing to do with it, of course. Uh, and uh, it was a good time. And then I played another game and I discovered a lot of, uh, uh, you know, whatever deep striking, whatever that's called and uh, combat jump, I think. And then uh, lots of camo markers everywhere, <laughs> smoke grenades. And I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And uh, it was a good learning experience. <laughs> So what'd you take? So Owen tended to try to introduce like a new rule in every game you guys played. What was the big new rules that you had to kind of sink your teeth into through this game? Uh, yeah, camel mine, camel markers like inches outside my deployment up on top of tall buildings. Impersonators. Yeah, probably. Was yeah. Camel markers or impersonators? <laughs> it was both. both. It was both. <laughs> even, even better. Yeah. And then luckily he failed his role to jump behind my guys into cover and while well, I was out of cover and slaughter me. So that was, that was, it could have been worse. <laughs> so what, what are we playing? Uh, oh, was it playing Shabasti? Shabasti? Yeah. Fun. Yeah. The, uh, the key, key pieces in the list were mine layer, speculo killer, um, three Caliban's. And there were other things, but those kind of, those four did all the things that they needed to do. What mission was it? Uh, the mission we played. The capture the flag. Yes. Capturing control. Nice. Uh, it ended, I believe it was eight to one. That's correct. Because neither of us got it on the first turn. I got I got my secret mission, which was target someone with a hacker. 
And I was like, I have lots of hackers. Mm, so you managed to spotlight. So that was easy. <laughs> That's sweet. Well, I mean, classifieds are a whole other layer of the game that you kind of have to wrap your brain around. So uh, even just getting that on your second game ever is probably quite an accomplishment, especially when you're dealing with like a disrupted deployment and Owen dropping, you know, smoke grenades and shotguns and mines in your deployment zone. So you didn't actually get a chance to, you know, do whatever your layup was like in the first game. So how'd you uh, build out your list for this one? You took the tag the first time, the Zeta. What'd you take this time? So first time I just want to be simple, take 10 orders, one combat group, take the tag, take basically all the all the models that I had at first. And I had bought some extra models, but I was like, hey, I built this list. I'm just going to try it out. And it was, you know, relatively straightforward. The tag runs forward and murders everything and then runs backwards. And then, you know, it's a good time. Uh, and this one, I was like, well, I don't want to rely on that tag. I want to see if I can make things happen without it. So I bought like some more uh, remotes and I tried to bring like uh, the missile launcher to like spotlight and shoot things. And then, uh, Oh, and ruin those plans. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing to really spotlight because I it was all impersonation of camo markers. Mm. Uh, and he did spotlight that. some, and he learned that you can't shoot rockets at friendly models. Yeah, it was the I'm gonna, I get one shot, then he dodges and dodges into my corpse that he just made earlier. Uh, mm, and I'm so like, I oh, couldn't do it. I can't shoot at you anymore because you're dodging three inches into my guys. Yeah, make it so, danger close. Go at all broken arrow. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, it was uh, it was more supposed to be hacker and rem focused with like some uh, suppressive fire and total reaction bots, mm-hmm. which basically just is a lot of a lot of good defensive fire, kind of in cover, covering lanes, and then uh, then it turns out if you're just like a camo marker, you can just run by the guy doing uh, suppressive fire, and then the guy he can't. You can't look at you without breaking a suppressive fire, I found out. Yeah, once and you're so suppressing, you, you don't have a lot of options. You're either doing that or you're breaking it and do something else and you lose that advantage. Right. And I'm like covering a rooftop with like two prone guys. I, I thought maybe they're mines, who knows? But there's there's two prone guys on a roof. And I was like, if I break suppressive fires, they stand up and pop me to death. If I stand suppressive fire, then it gets scary for him. So I'll just let that camo marker run on by and grab my objective. <laughs> Hard decisions. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's those are, those are the kind of give and takes of being on suppression, right? Like you might have to let something you don't ideally want to have happen, happen so that the big scary thing doesn't run across the table and, and be in your mm-hmm. deployment zone because you're suppressing. Because the worst part was, is like, okay, well, even if I see him, then he can move past on the second move and then I don't actually get a shoot at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah. And then... Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's in your base killing your dudes. <laughs> did you get any ho- did you get any hobby done? Did you need painting? Uh a little bit of painting. I painted uh my Delta. Who's the big armor six guy? Oh, the uh, gamma. Gamma with the Fearbach, the Fearbach or HMG, depending on what you yeah. want to be today. Yeah. Big big honking the BFG. It's supposed to be a Fearbach, but you could use an H. I don't think I was gonna care if you I guess HMG since well. last week I've also painted uh, two copper bots. Nice. And then uh, I've gotten some work started on the two deltas that I have. Basically, all the things with just the basic armor, just metal and stuff. And then mm-hmm. that's easy. And yeah. then I'll move on to the more cloaks and different things. Yeah, the purple and gold power armor brigade is once yeah. you've got like your your technique for painting it down to, you can kind of crank it out. That's how I ended up with my nomads all painted. I was like, red, black, and white, go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. How do we you own? You, you uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. You don't know what that, that's it for me. Sweet. So what about you, Owen? What was your week like in Infinity? I mean, I, I played the game against Dan. 
and have had conversations with him around it. Um, Other than that, hobby side, uh, I started getting more of my Shazvasti caught up, um, finishing up the Sphinx, finishing up the She Skin. Um, I have collected four remotes, old uh, old tentacly remotes from my Shazvasti. So nice. They fit that. They fit the style of that army way better too. That's gonna be awesome. Way better than the four-legged ones. Um, yeah, and other than that, that's kind of been it. Um, well, you did you did uh, get in a Black Friday sale because you couldn't really decide what your your ITS fourteen faction was going to be. Oh, and, I uh, guess there is that. There is I did, that. Maybe I did that buy seven hundred points of JSA. <laughs> <laughs> the bike errata came down. We talked about the FAQ last week, and then there was a Black Friday sale at four hundred one games here in Canada. And Owen was like complaining last episode about no one plays JSA. You can't even get JSA boxes. And then our texts blew up with like, I just bought all the JSA. Now <laughs> for the record, that was the last of all of them. <laughs> they were, enough, they yeah. were all one or two in stock, mm-hmm. but yeah, it <laughs> it's a different faction. Um, it is. Yeah. There's, there's a few items in there that I think are really interesting and I want to see how far you can go with it. Things like the Katakari or uh, the Arigatos, Katakuri. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem like you could do something neat with a three-structure total of unity. Two heavy wounds, infantry. Heavy infantry, yep. No, no, they're just three-structure. Oh, three-structure, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> and right. they're remote presence. They're super, yeah, so, and they're remote presence, yeah. So, so you can re-roll. Five to go down. <laughs> With total immunity. With total immunity. That's a lot of damage they can soak up. But I mean, they are three. they are costed appropriately too. They are not inexpensive. 40 points. I mean, 40 points. Yeah, we're going to take a five minutes to 200 point. Like <laughs> a full a full kill uh, um, team of them is a lot of points. That is a- well, You only get three. Investment. It always caps out. It's a Harris. Well, couldn't you wildcard them or do they, they cap at Harris, don't they? They can only uh, take a Harris. For them, it says, I believe Harris. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah, Katakuri Harris. I have I'm the glad box. we're talking about this building today because you guys are talking about a lot of different words that I don't know yet. <laughs> yes, that is the main thrust of today. And we will get to that. Uh, and yes, that is a that we. It's so funny because Owen and I throw around jargon like that. I'm so glad you point that out when we do it, Dan, because I think that that is something the listeners probably notice too. So yes, when I say Harris and I throw away like Harris or I throw away like total immunity, there are people listening right now that don't know what that means. So, what is what does total immunity mean when you got five potential wounds, Owen? Like, why are you excited about that? It means you need to successfully hit and damage it five times, regardless of the weapons you're using. Uh, whether it's a missile launcher or a handgun, it doesn't make any difference. Whether it's armor penetration, whether it's uh, type 2, which does double damage, or AP, which halves your armor rounding up, um, they make no difference. This thing has to get hit five times to be removed from the board. Wait, does it ignore, like, blast? It, it ignores weapon types. So you yeah, know how it, you have the it ignores ammo types. Shock. It ignores ammo types. Yeah. Any yeah. ammo, any ammo special rules it ignores with total immunity. Oh, yes. so like so the missile damage, AP, explosion. Like, so oh yeah. So the explosion is like you get every hit gets three hits. Yeah. This would only but, be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like the, yeah. the double action yeah. where it's like every time you fail, you take two, it's one. The AP where you're gonna have armor, you don't. Mm-hmm. The the damages you against your bts do you get to choose still or is it just uh, no so you you would st- so what type of damage it does will still go to a bts or armor so you can't always choose bts 
if you have bioimmunity, then you can always choose BTS. So if you had bioimmunity and total immunity, they'd be, be they'd use your BTS all the time because then you right. choose what type of um, save you take against the the weapon. But you you don't get immunity to that you also don't very specifically get immunity to crits with total Which immunity. Is its it's own only immunity. That's right. It's its own immunity now, and it's a um, it's a uh, ammo type only that you get um, the total immunity from, but it does like go inside mean that you have to take a shocking amount of individual dice rolls in damage to actually take you out. Um, and there's specialists. And, and interestingly, they're only fizz 10, but when you gizmo kit them, they're fizz 12. They're actually better at getting repaired than their normal fizz or whip would, would show, which I think is really interesting. So they're, fizz, they're pretty fizz is like basically your, your like strength or structure kind of thing. And then that's what you're rolling against for paramedics uh, yeah but a gizmo kit is like a med pack for things with structure because these guys don't have wounds so they're exactly. actually slightly better at getting up if you shoot gizmo kits at them um and the gizmo kit is the ranged profile for engineers so if you see an engineer with like a little like magnet gun he's shooting the gizmo kit at you and it's like little nanobots that go and put your arms and legs back on cool. uh, and they these guys have a gun for every fight too which is probably why owen's excited about them they have a heavy shotgun profile a combi rifle profile a multi-rifle profile a mark 12 profile and then every single one of them has a chain rifle a panzer fighters and a flash pulse <laughs> so yeah they are uh interesting enough they have courage and remote presence which you don't really need both but i guess remote presence makes sense from the point of view of the the wounding and stuff courage would mean that even if they didn't have remote presence they don't have to make guts checks it also opens the door that having remote presence, I guess for the courage, it doesn't make any sense, but for remote presence, it makes that repair even easier. Yeah. Like there's more durability there. Yeah. You can uh, reroll your whip checks with engineers. If you have remote presence with a command token, because they're, they're harder to take, to put down because they're, there's no like living component inside them. Oh, I guess you ignore retreat because you have courage. No, veteran allows you to ignore retreat. Courage, I think, allows you to not have to. Oh, uh, courage! Courage and religious do as well. Actually, sorry, you're right. Yep. Courage and religious means you don't have to only move uh, towards the your own table edge. You are still affected by loss <clears throat> of lieutenant. Yeah. Unlike veteran and things yeah, like that. Yeah. Unlike veteran, yeah. So you still you go at your regular, but you wouldn't have you still be able to do actions and take your action, move forward and shoot and stuff like that, because you can't take actions with the attack tag when you're in retreat normally. Um, and they have Ford Observer, which is cool because for the classified deck, there's a bunch of FO things uh, they can um, do to complete objectives outside of just being a specialist. So it's a cool yep. profile. Yeah, uh, and, and then the bikes too. And, and there's bikes too. You can bring yeah. a Harris of bikes, not just a Harris of uh, Karakuri. Yeah. Uh, the only challenge is that the bike, they, they are both Harris's, um, which is to say you can't have both at the same time. Mm, and neither have a core option either, do they? Neither have a core um both of them are harris's uh they're different but they are both limited there mm -hmm. I, what are you guys talking about so when you yeah so when you make a link team <laughs> on your link team chart it'll have your access so vanilla armies like the non-sectorial armies, so like just like the name of the parent faction like nomads panosiania yuching they typically can have two duo fire teams and that means that you can take people that are able to just stand in a pair of buddies. There's no additional advantage except they activate together and can move together. Um, you, you typically get like two duos, but it can be really handy if a tag can duo to like drag along an engineer to go fix it or a button pusher to go push buttons and stuff. And then each of the individual um, sectorial armies will have access to a different mix. Uh, the core is the full up to five man link team. 
the Harris is up to a three-man league team, and the duos typically are unlimited. You can have as many duos as you want in the sectorial. And that originally was sort of the advantage of taking one of these sub-factions, where you had a less broad unit mix that you could select from, but then you got the access to these fire teams, this like specific teams of guys where you could like stack them together. And that's, I think, probably going to be a whole other episode. But it's funny because I, I feel like this faction is going to be good for you, though, Owen, because it doesn't really play to the current like they can't they don't have the right tools to play the way that i've been running into Mm -hmm. Um, and they have a lot of interesting tricks too they have gimmicks like hidden deployment and stuff and you can also bring two duos of mics and a harris of karakuri and a flink team and for your your 14 ish orders you can have everybody moving when someone else moves Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a lot of guys. I mean, just yeah. like even being able to take um, all of the individual like bike riders too, like Yojimbo can just go flying up for 20 points, which we were looking at last uh, last episode. 20 points for an Aragato killer hacker mm-hmm. with no swick, and you can duo it with another Aragato killer and hacker. And it can cyber mask while on a motorcycle. <laughs> and so you can have four cyber mask duo killer bikes. <laughs> <laughs> this is my these are my Co- these are my eight coordinated cyber mask. smiley faces that's right they run towards you with light shotguns and then show up in your deployment zone with light shotguns just templating everything yeah the killer hacker profile that can impersonate on a motorcycle i think is hilarious because it's just this biker gang shows up and you're like these guys seem okay like the, the coordinated impersonate coordinate move all killer hackers in your deployment zone feels <laughs> feels useful <laughs> feels like something you're going to have to just take notes dan when that happens we'll do a show about it it feels yeah, like it feels I, I feel like i have not taken advantage at all of link teams or coordinated activations and well, i you feel can't, like i've suffered you, from it yeah you you can't you can do duos in 012 and that's something i think we'll when we do like a list breakdown for you we should definitely talk about okay um all right, so that is the YouTube. For me, I got to play a couple games at Uplink Center this weekend. I played one with my vanilla uh, Aleph, and I played one with Morats. I lost one and tied the other one because I flubbed three straight whip rolls to flip one of the two consoles back at the end of the game. Um, it was <laughs> Jordan was so happy too because it was super close right to the end. Um, he had both consoles flipped to him. Uh, but he wasn't standing on one. He was standing on the other. I drop bared with my um, Kurgat engineer, a couple of drop bears next to him, and then just walked out and fed him. A, it was his, it was actually his um, Bashi Bazook, his Corsair that was holding it. Um, and so because I put the drop bears out, it didn't matter which of the um, the the guys I shot at, he had to dodge, which means uh, he was eating a boarding shotgun and also two templates, and he failed his dodge and then ate, ate a bunch of shock mines. Uh, but then my toolbox bot, who had been a hero the entire game, walked over and flubbed three consecutive <laughs> checks. So I had the central box and I was contesting um, that objective. So I was controlling at the end of the game for one. So I had four points and then five because my lieutenant was alive. But he had both consoles flipped to him for two each. And then his lieutenant was alive as well. So it was five, five. I really like Uplink Center. Um, it has a really good mix of like, you have to go do things during the game and they're opposed. So it's not one of those console missions where you flip a console and then it just belongs to you forever. Even if your opponent goes and flips it, you have to defend it afterwards too. And you also want to be in contact with it on the end of the third round. Um, and the central one's just like a control objective, but it's worth three. So it's a really enjoyable mission. I'm glad it's in, um, 
Winter War. It's one of our missions for Winter War, and I think it's going to be a good one because it it has a really good mix of like during the game uh, stress where you're not just gun fighting each other, you're also trying to get things done, and then like end game scoring that's fairly opposed. So uh, that was my two games for this week. I didn't get any painting done, but I did um, base coat uh, the. Um, what's it called my nomad eight point baggage bot my salient uh as well as some wildcats i got some more base coats down now i'm trying to finish up the rest of the odd models i have for my nomads before i get back to doing more ads because that new more box comes out in december and i'm pretty stoked for it i did try the rin deck um and that plus three minus three uh almost like martial arts dodging was hilarious he dodged a hollow man boarding shotgun for like three consecutive, like within eight inch engagements and just dodged into melee with him. And then the hollow man was like, I don't know what to do when I fight up close. And the Rindek was also like, I don't know either, but I'm just going to keep dodging because it's like having martial arts. <laughs> and he kept trying to get away and I just kept dodging and dodging and dodging. So um, it was pretty fun. Uh, and then for the rest of it, it's been getting prep done for the tournament. I'm starting to source some uh, table toppers for the event uh the cost of eighth inch mdf has exploded and i only have three table toppers i need 10 so that's going to be a over the next two months i gotta i gotta build some table toppers and buy some um framing material i want to like hinge them and have 10 of these things ready to go that can just lay on top of the the bar tables and we can put mats on to play the game so that's my sort of like uh my infinity hobby stuff that's been on the go the last little while um yeah that's it for me uh and i think it's now we've kind of alluded to it but it's time to get on to the primary objective points and that is going to be the theme for today's uh actual episode which is list writing concepts for beginners um and that's this, me <laughs> that's, that's dan uh this actually came up from some of the feedback we got from everybody who's a listener uh, some great feedback on Facebook, on Discord, uh, and just through like chatting about the episodes online as well. Um, there is, I think, like a, a propensity, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, for Infinity players like me and Owen who've been playing for a long time to throw around kind of jargon of uh, of terms, terms that that may or may not mean anything to you. <laughs> so how did that feel of the first episode? You kind of talked about it before we got on here. Yeah, it was, uh, I did kind of zone out it a few times and even even just now when you were talking with Owen about like oh yeah these guys and these guys and now they do this and this this I'm like cool one one of these days I'll understand what all that means but until then we'll just uh we'll keep learning yeah I I think it's um I think it's pretty common and and one of the things that's come up in discord a bunch uh, is actually We've had a few people who've just recently picked up uh, like a code one box or um, one of the two player starter sets and gone, well, where do I start? Uh, and and how do you start parsing the models that are available in Infinity? Because there is a, I mean, even if you just start looking at like the, the plain sort of like parent factions, which are very often referred to as vanilla factions, there's a lot of models and they all kind of look the same and they're all just kind of sci-fi guys with guns and knowing where to start can be a big challenge. Um, so what I want to do today, uh, I put together some show notes and actually these will be available, uh, in, um, Google docs. Uh, you'll be able to actually download these when you're listening to it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, I put down some list writing concepts that we throw around, and this is purely just ways of wrapping your head around approaching writing an army list in infinity for the first time. These are not big brain concepts. 
These are intended to kind of let you mentally organize your models in your faction. Um, you can definitely have models that like straddle different roles. Uh, and they're supposed to help you look at the list of figures in like Infinity Army and quickly plug in jobs. And then you can kind of drag the models around and adjust to like cheaper, more expensive options or options that like fit your model collection. Um, but the intent is that when you go up to the table for the first time, you don't get that paralysis of, okay, so these are the things I have to do to win the game. I have no idea which of these models I should pick to go try and do them. I have no idea which of the tools at my disposal are right for the job. So it's it's purely designed to kind of give you two concepts. And that's roles. So when you look at a profile in Infinity, what's this guy going to be good at doing on the table? And where does he fit into my army list? And then the sort of like template for your combat group. What is your combat group designed to do? And sort of what kind of engine is it running on? And, and I gave three options in here um, sort of about, about how to like approach those lists uh, from sort of like an engine design from a, from like a very starting off point and where you would like plug in those roles into the list. Um, so I'm going to go through and we're going to go through the roles first. There's four of them I came up with and I'm going to have Owen and Dan talk about the factions they're working on and maybe some profiles that would kind of qualify as these roles. So the first one's pretty simple um, and it's really anybody could straddle this role almost in infinity. It's called a gunfighter. Uh, these models clear the way to get other pieces where they need to be or destroy the enemy's order pool by hunting easy to kill and accessible enemy troopers. So a gunfighter is someone who tries to take out enemy models at range at the lowest risk to themselves um, and always tries to play the bully. Uh, so what would some examples in O12 you think like Dan would be of like a gunfighter? Um, the tag. Definitely. Yeah. The Zeta's a, the tags are a great example of a gunfighter. And why is the, the Zeta in particular, you think a good gunfighter? Uh, the Zeta's really good. First of all, his gun gets five dice. Yes. So it's just odds go up that you're going to hit them. Yeah. Dice uh, advantage of dice is something that cannot be underestimated in infinity. More chances to spike high or spike low um, reduces the swinginess. You get a, You get a nice, even middle ground. Usually the more dice you roll, whereas if you're rolling a single dice in ARO, the chance of you rolling really low or really high are, are greater, right? Because you're, you're stuck with the one dice roll. Uh, secondarily, why he's really good is he's got, I mean, tactical awareness, so that's like a free order on himself. Um, he can get to the targets, yeah. He can get to he, where he can see somebody. It's advantageous. He's got climbing plus, which means he can pop over roofs and fire at someone instead of having to climb up, get fired at, and then fire back at him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got a long range of gun. Not super long range, but pretty long. And then uh, he's also got a BS of 14, which is like on the 20 sided die, you know, before and after, before mods is, uh, that's, I don't know. what 70%. 70% chance 70%, yeah. of hitting. And then you get five dice to try to do it. So all these things add up to this guy can bully people from across the board. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. he's tough. He's got big armor. And so. Yeah. And what it means he can afford to lose. That's actually a really interesting and unique distinction is when you can afford to lose at least twice right? When you're bullying somebody, you you mm -hmm. become a good gunfighter because you have some built-in reliability of not just instantly going down in the first engagement, where some gunfighters might not have that advantage. So what about in uh, JSA or in um, Shazasti? Who's a good gunfighter? Uh, well, I don't know JSA, so I won't speak to that yet. Um, but in, in Shazasti, there's two kind of wear this on their uh, wear it best, and it's going to be the Noctifier and the Hyduke um 
both of them, Noctifiers don't have the infiltration, so they don't quite fit into the midfielders. They just have hidden deployment. And a Noctifier with a missile launcher hidden in your base with dogged mimetism surprise attack um, is a is a thing that you may run across. For only <laughs> a, a, the low, low cost of 32 points, you can guarantee a minus 12 shot against somebody because they cannot counter it because you don't start on the board. And yep. so... Unlike the tag that that Dan was saying, where it you see it coming, but it's fast and it's tough. You don't see this coming, but it's incredible damage with very little wiggle room to get away from it. And the High Duke is just a cheaper version of that, but he gains the visor of multi-spectral visor level two and sapper. So he can he can dig in anywhere you need him to be. And then you give him that visor so that there isn't really counterplay outside of uh Hacking device plus. Yeah, he gets to hunt down those hard to hit pieces. He can even bully pieces that typically can't be bullied because he he removes their modifiers. I was surprised you didn't say the Guilo. Yeah, the Guilo is also good at everything. And so <laughs> he like he plays the midfielder just as well. Like yeah, it's true. it comes down to which profile did you bring? Um, whereas the other two are like purely gunfighters. Whereas yeah, the Guilo true. is like, okay, I'll go. I got nano screen and albedo. I'll fight anybody. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I'll fight the world. Um, he has. It's funny when you use the HMG one against me way back, and actually the um, the the light rod or the rocket launcher ones you used quite a bit uh, with the MSV two and the the nano screen. It was a an absolute nightmare to play against an N three, and that was because while you were trying to deal with that, you're also trying to deal with other things like your midfield pieces, which were five points and you had eight of them <laughs> back before there was a model cap. Um, now I only bring four, <laughs> but they're still a nightmare. They have not stopped being a nightmare. Yeah. Um, he, he's a solid answer, though. Like I can yes. I can remember specific games where he individually dismantled other teams by wandering around at that twenty four inch range band, and there's no there's no counterplay to him because you're dropping smoke and you're just shooting, and most mm-hmm. factions just can't fight that. Um, you can't put white noise down in ARO, so yep. you suffer. Yeah. And that's just how it is until yeah, you get yeah. away from him. You either hunt him with other Al- uh, Albedo um, or you hunt him with um, uh, White Noise in the active turn. But he's a he's a hard piece to gunfight because he bullies little pieces. Um, so really, that's that's it. And, and when I say clear the way, gunfighters' jobs very often is, let's say you have to go push a console or open a supply box or get somewhere across the table to help somebody or complete an objective or get to an HVT. These are when there's watching arrow pieces, sort of like pieces standing up, looking over the battlefield to try and shoot you as you come through. These are the guys that go and try and clear that. They're the guys that go and try and hunt down those pieces and remove those obstacles. So very often gunfighters, um, they switch back and forth between once they've cleared the way, they try and hunt pieces to make your, your opponent's upcoming turn less full of orders, right? They hunt all the little cheerleaders and guys hiding in nooks and crannies if they're fast. Um, but they're also there to clear the way for your other roles i guess uh, kind of pre- with that description the, sh- the speculo killer is a great gunfighter <laughs> well i he's he's got other he's got other jobs i think i think he definitely multi-rolls and switches right he's definitely got times where he will gunfight but i think he definitely falls into the midfielder um category pretty solidly because he can just he can do nothing and do a lot <laughs> he doesn't even have to like reveal himself and be out of impersonation and can disrupt your opponent's entire plan um, from my point of view, uh, gunfighters I've got access to, one of my favorites is the Intruder. Uh, he is a 
uh, camouflage, mimetism minus three, multi-spectral visor level two, and there's a killer hacker profile with a multi-marksman rifle um, and a, um, is it a multi-marksman or is it an AP marksman? It's, it's a marksman rifle. Uh, and there's also a um, HMG version, is super popular. And he's a, a great hunting piece because while he's in camo, he can usually get to the vantage point he wants to be. That's at the least advantageous to the opponent. And a lot like that um, High Duke uh, with his MSV, he's able to hunt pieces you can't normally hunt. So things that are hiding in camouflage or he can shoot through smoke markers. So you can't throw smoke to like get out of the way of him and stuff like that. Um, there's there's quite a few good gunfighter pieces in my Nomad Army, in my um, my uh, my Morat Army. We've we've learned that the Morat multi-sniper rifle, um, what you call it, Yaugat, is a fantastic gunfighter because he's got a, a multi-sniper rifle and they recently FAQ'd it to have an extra burst on its double action. Uh, and he also gets an extra burst natively. So when he's in a little Harris team, he fires a burst for multi-sniper rifle with MSV2. Uh, does a shocking amount of damage to things that don't have total immunity. And even things that do, because he outranges a sniper rifle and a missile launcher will outrange almost anything in the game, um, except each other. Uh, and so he's a very good gunfighter piece for, for removing hard targets, because he just makes you roll a million dice when he actually lands his damage. So that's one role in mind. Uh, the next role we have is midfielders. Uh, and you'll hear this term get thrown around quite a bit for different models. And they typically start the game in an advanced position. They might use their equipment or skills. Uh, to disrupt like the enemy's forward momentum. So things like mines, dropping repeaters, putting out crazy koalas, um, or even just having like a direct template weapon, like a chain rifle. They also use their own skills to minimize risk and exposure to themselves, like camouflage and hiding or smoke grenades. And they could also use equipment and skills to get to the midfield really quickly, like parachutist, bikes, uh, smoke grenades, or even being AD. So the midfielder's job typically is, like we said with the Speculate Killer or the Assassin's, they're there to disrupt the enemy's advance. They they passively can sit on top of a building and not even necessarily inline a site generate an ARO, but because they do things like drop mines or have templates, you can't just walk around a corner without somehow dealing with them. And their mix of skills and equipment can very often mean that you don't have a good choice. You either have to peace trade with them by sending something cheap around the corner to go fight them, or you have to think about what they might do in ARO and try and guess your best worst options to get around them while trying to get the same job done. They can lay traps around objectives like dropping mines around supply boxes or even just around um, the, uh, the area you need to get there. And then hackers can just sit on top of structures using their hacking abilities to things like drop spotlight, which would lay their light to drop like guided missiles and stuff too. So midfielders have probably one of the hardest to understand roles when you're starting infinity because typically they do a lot in the reactive turn, not the active turn. And it's setting them up is almost more important than moving them during your turn when you're spending orders. So Dan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pop you first again. What do you think is a good midfielder you might have in 012? Um, maybe the gangbuster? He's got a couple uh, cool profiles. Yeah, he's got um, a mad trap absolutely profile. Absolutely the gangbuster. Uh, so he's a hacker. He can either have the killing hack into uh, no, he did. Yeah, he only has access to the killer hacking device, but that's pretty good still. He's got mad traps. He's a mine layer. And when you deploy him, he deploys up to halfway of the board. Uh, he's got, uh, what does he got? Uh, he's got infiltration, mimetism minus three, multi-spectral visor level one. And uh, yeah, so he can, he can go smiley face. He can kind of just sit there and uh, he can drop more mines and uh, kind of just be up in the middle of the board without have to put any kind of activations on them 
Yeah, he's got the turn zero mine layer. Mine layer means that during deployment, you can put down a mad trap inside his zone of control. And a mad trap does not need line of sight. It can sit on a roof trap and anything that comes inside of its perimeter is going to get paralyzed weaponed. It's going to get a have to dodge basically a, a little goat that runs out and hugs you and turns into a giant piece of bubble gum to try and paralyze you. So that is a a absolutely fantastic midfielder. Do you think do you see any other ones in there, you think? Um... I'm not sure. Maybe like the the serious bot, team serious. Yeah, team serious. Just you get the plus eight inch deployment, mm-hmm. uh, and the bot. I mean, she's a hacker, and the bot is. I mean, you can activate both of them, so that's efficient. And then uh, the bot is a repeater for your other hackers, and yep. also has uh, a large sticky, uh, the heavy riot stopper. Absolutely. Yep, that's another great midfielder. The forward deployment, the mimetism, the riot stopper, and also just the fact that you've got a hacking device so you can throw out things like spotlights. So that's a great a great way to set up things like other, you know, making guy more vulnerable to gunfights by giving them a plus three to hit um, or taking a guided missile on him later on. That's another good one. What about you, Owen? What do you got in midfielders? I mean, actually, I mean, Shazbass, everything he's almost the midfielder of the faction, yeah. But uh, but a standout who I, I think is the king of the midfielders right now for me is the covert heavy support unit in Hawk's Lob. Oh, okay. The, the oh, the, the, the one we talked about last is week. an absolute <laughs> monster. Yeah. Okay, let's talk like, about it. Let's talk about it. I know you're in love with this guy right now. Yeah. I well, I brought him to uh, I brought him to an event, first event I've played in probably three so, years. So talk about what he is first before you, so, before you sorry, describe to the audience what he's what he's actually about. This guy. He is a heavy infantry with uh, two structure. He plays the remote presence heavy infantry role, where he's not quite a remote, but he has not quite heavy infantry because he's a structure. Um, he's BS 13, armor four, and two wounds. So he's very durable and pretty accurate. He's above average accuracy. Um, but then you get into his abilities that make him, where, where he becomes nutty. Um, he's got extra damage on all of his attacks. So the same ability that attack would get. He has camouflage, which is only one use, and decoy. And then he also has four deployment plus eight. He's immune to shock, and he has surprise attack when he attacks you. So he's deploying further up. You get to put down two camo markers to better hide which one is the actual one. Um, and then as far as his loadouts go, there's essentially two different directions you can go with him, either an offensive one, where on your active turn, he's he's showing up and fighting with his uh, mine layer, viral burst, plus one rifle, chain rifle, plus one burst, shock mines. So now you're placing three camel markers. One's a mine, one's him, <laughs> one's pretending to be him. <laughs> one's, yeah, one's a box of snake underneath it. And you can then reveal and shoot them four times with your damage 14 plus one burst viral rifle on a BS-13 surprise attack camo uh, heavy infantry, or the one I found very effective and and fits into the midfielder role of of preventing people from moving forward and and controlling the board, neurocinetics plus one burst on his viral rifle and chain rifle. And now if your opponent walks forward in a faction that has many other little camo guys that could be hiding around, you also have a 50-point monster that is tougher than many heavy infantries in the game just hanging out there too, mm-hmm. pretending to be just another camel marker. And if you mess up and he shoots you, you could potentially take, like, without crits, eight saves to your BTS when it shoots at you. Massive. Absolutely 12 if massive. you crit. Yeah. In ARO? In ARO, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
So neurosynetics, Dan, is a skill that you 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 um, you basically active and reactive turns switch. So during your active turn, you're only one burst and you're fixed at one, but in your reactive turn, you're at your full, full normal burst. So your oh, AROs fine. are your active shooting, which is a little nutty when you combine it with this completely bananas profile and, you know, <laughs> the fact that it could be one of any three guys if you're taking the mind layer one. Um, and, and it still also kind of doesn't prevent you from taking the active turn one because he can still suppress and he can suppress with a plus one damage bio rifle as well if you want and do that mind layer game too. So this guy's a... A, I'd say a premier midfielder, but you're paying the points for him, right? He's going to be a sixth of your army at floating around 50 points per model. Yeah. Although, and, and I think he's worth every penny. Like when you look at the costs of midfielders, they sit between 25 and 35. Yep. 15 points to double their wounds and quadruple their armor. Probably worth it. And Hack Islam has access to tons of cheap troops. So you're you're not probably going to not get to 15 he's, guys. He's surrounded by Panzer Faust de Lama. That's right. That's right. Guys, guys in cargo pants, as we described last episode. The guys in cargo pants that may or may not be de Lamis today, but are probably de Lamis. Well, now um, this thing might be one of those de Lamis. Like that, <laughs> well, that's what gets it for me. It's the fact that he came out in a group that already had a bunch of like, ah, they're just, they're garbage throwaway camo. And it's so well, not. let's let's talk about that then, because they are the the inverse of this guy, and Delamis are again a premier midfield piece that Hak Islam has access to, which you might you might um, as a new player discount the Delami and not really understand why it's good, but you've actually had tons of success with Delamis because they're disposable. So talk about them a little bit. Um, the Delami is a a low stat profile. He's he's ones across the board, BS eleven, one armor, one wound. Um, but his claim to fame is he's eight points. He gets to camouflage one time and infiltrate with a Panzerfaust rocket launcher. Um, so his his short but dynamic life will be <laughs> the opponent moves up, he reveals himself and cracks them with a Panzerfaust. Mm -hmm. And then live or die, that's fine. He was eight points. I will. Absolutely. And, and there's other profiles. Um, theoretically you could use them i would not it is it is he is irregular which is his only downside mm -hmm. which is why he's so cheap um he no longer costs swick because they used to when i last played so mm -hmm. that's great mm -hmm. um the the, the grenade launcher still does it's half a swick for the grenade launcher but they've accepted their fate these guys they know that and they're ava total so if you just want to nope, take not anymore yeah, in, or sorry, in vanilla, they're total. I'm in vanilla, at assassins. Total, yeah. Oh, no, oh, you're looking at assassins. Yeah, I'm looking at the yeah. vanilla profiles. They're still AVAT. Well, there you go. So you can <laughs> so have you an can army have, of these boys. Yeah. <laughs> Two Sunduck butts back. I mean, when we get to the list building part, if you're looking at, at laying in support and um, midfield pieces to disrupt people, having some cam markers like infiltrate on rooftops, then you don't really care if they live or die. And it just stresses the opponent and makes them waste orders. Uh, trying to discover them, figure out what they are. And then every now and again, they ignore them because you didn't do anything with them and they're not sure what they are. And you just decide you're going to shoot a panzer fast at them. <laughs> for for 116 points, third of your mm -hmm. army, but 116 points, you place six camo markers between eight inches up and 12 inches up from your deployment. And two of them are single shot little nobodies in khakis. Two of them are nothing. And two of them are the terrifying viral robot. Mm-hmm. And your opponent gets to play the shell game when you do that. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's which? Which of these eight camel markers is going to turn into nightmare robots? Yeah, in the or tiny is it going to be completely disposable <laughs> random missile? Yeah, oh, exactly. I'm dead. No, oh, well. Well. oh well. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes Joan of Arc eats a Panzerfaust and dies, and that's and that's that. So it it uh, that's kind of I think I think it's funny. There are certain factions that are known for their midfielders um and uh you you definitely I mean almost all like you said you joked about all of Shazvasti but they have a ton of infiltrating camo hacker fort observer shotgun mine layer like troops um uh Ariadne has a ton of cheap sort of like camo infiltrating specials like the SAS uh who are again in the um foxtrot for the uh US Ariadne that all do this job really, really well. Um, I have my Zerats that do it in my Morat list. My Zerat Killer Hacker is one of my favorites. She'll sit up on a building, turn into a smiley face, and then just dare your hackers and remotes to walk by, um, as well as my uh, Marksman Rifle Zerat, who loves to go into suppression on a rooftop with minus 12 to hit her back. And, you know, unless you've got visors, just be a complete nightmare locking down corners and locking down line of sight because you just can't. You can't with the modifiers against her typically walk out and be able to actually accomplish anything um for so of, for the sake of saying a shazvasti one because i have been talking about it sure yeah, yeah my my call out will be the malignos hacker um if only because though in the new season i've learned that terrain effects are more common now his ability to be a mind layer with a dazer and a killer hacker is a weird thing that people aren't going to see yeah dazers are cool dazers are an em no, um Dazer is they? rough terrain what yeah <laughs> what am i thinking of? i'm thinking of zappers so i'm thinking, thinking of zapper this is the the zone of control around the dazer becomes rough terrain that's right and he has to terrain total and so he throws this thing down and he himself can wander through it with impunity but if you don't have a terrain effect you're hitting a wall when you walk that's into this a, random mine layer object yeah, this random five-inch circle that is an inch extra movement to go through unless you have terrain total. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so then um, from gunfighters and midfielders, we're going to talk about button pushers. Now, button pushers is a pretty broad role, um, but what it usually refers to is that in most uh, missions in ITS, which is the primary organized play packet, even in the four in the core and four rulebook, there's a term called specialists, and these are people who have an advanced set of skills apart from just pulling a trigger, um, and they usually are required to do anything where you interact with an objective. Um, and button pushers is a qualifier because the, you need them to also get there. So when you look at a specialist, a specialist might be um, a Ford observer, a paramedic, uh, someone like a hacker, a doctor, an engineer, or even just a chain of command model. They don't all necessarily qualify as being good button pushers, though, because button pushers also kind of inherently mean they need some either mobility or starting up the board. Lots of midfielders also make great button pushers, um, but not all midfielders are unless unless they're also a specialist and fairly mobile. Um, so even things with like AD, so like advanced deployment, um, if you've got things like parachutist or the ability to uh, airdrop onto the table, that's a great way of being a button pusher. And even just being able to be on a fire team or use your equipment, uh, fire teams tend to drag, their gunfighters drag their button pushers with them. And a guy who's not normally a good button pusher with a mix of skills, if he qualifies for being in a fire team or a duo, he can become a good button pusher because you can kind of move him around. Um, so, I mean, some of the best button pushers in the game, I'll just jump in right now and say, 
are your line troops. Most of them have the ability to link up with like a heavier hitter, like a gunfighter and get dragged around. And not only can they be support troops who help him out with whatever their sort of day job is, but he can also slingshot them around to go and push buttons. Now, the biggest, I think, most important button pusher in this season of ITS is the toolbox bot, is the sensor forward observer remote that every faction has access to right now because he's fast with 6-4 movement usually. He's got a tactical awareness order this season. His gun has marksman, so he can even gunfight a little bit. And because he's a forward observer, he can push buttons with a decent whip, usually of 13 at least. So I, I, every faction right now has access to at least one really good button pusher. And in some factions, they can even link. So there's a, there's a great opportunity to use that guy to get around. Uh, some of them have mimetism. Some of them have climbing plus or super jump. I think the um, Stempler FTO in Tunguska can actually super jump too, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and that's my call out for great button pushers. So what, what do you guys got in your factions? What do you got, Danny? You think is a good button pusher in 012? I mean, there's what you just said. There's the Oko Copperbot, mm-hmm. which is a Ford Observer move 6-4. Um, yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'm not sure. Um, that's what I was struggling with. <laughs> um, I think just maybe my basic, uh, uh, what are they called? The Kappas. If it's sure. like back, you can take them as a, like a Ford Observer for like 14 points. So they're pretty cheap for a button pusher. You were asking me about the Delta this week. The Delta's got tons of good button pusher profiles. Uh, oh yeah, that was the other one. Cause they, ha- they can uh, parachute in or uh, combat jump in as well. Yeah, they can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, button pushers can also sometimes have things that make them get there safely. So like that Delta hacker with a killer hacking device, he can arrive, turn into a smiley face and then smiley face over to his objective and push a button with his whip of 13, which is super decent. So he can arrive mm-hmm. right next to wherever you need to be and then get over there. He can riot stopper stuff. He has D charges. So he can do classified objectives that require D charges, which are demolition charges as well. It also makes him kind of dangerous in melee. <laughs> he, he drops that um, that CC15 D charge on you. Uh, and he's got some mobility as well. I'm trying to think of who else besides the Delta is great at that. You've got... Well, you got monstruckers, which are which are kind of okay um, versions of the Ermandinos. Ermandinos are the premier cheap engineer button pusher, but you have access to monstruckers. Have a look at them. I like these guys. They're basically like literally space truckers. <laughs> <laughs> space trucking. Now, the only difference in these guys, I think, really that would make them amazing is they don't have smoke grenades. Whereas the ones, the uh, they're not impetuous. They can't take cover, which is cool, but they don't have uh, smoke grenades. They do have climbing plus though, which allows them to get around. Uh, the Ermandinos though are about half the point cost of the chain rifle for eight points. They have double move because they're all impetuous. Uh, and they also have smoke grenades, which lets them get around. But the Monstruckers are kind of uh, slightly more spendy, a little more versatile and can use cover version of the Ermandinos. And they make pretty good button pushers too, if you're looking for standalone models. Yeah, I don't think I have a lot of smoke in my faction. I think the Varangian Guard and then Hypolita are the only smokes that I have that I'm mm-hmm. aware of. Uh, you do have access to... Oh, no, she doesn't have specialist. I thought Ada Swanson was a specialist. Yeah, and She's both not. of those people can't push buttons. <laughs> Is Cuervo? Is Cuervo at least a specialist? He's not. The most interesting Delta in the world is not a specialist. What about you, Cyber Ghost? He can. Cyber Ghost can push buttons. And also he's got a pitcher. 
which makes him a cool midfielder and a killer hacking device. So you can uh, um, actually have cyber ghost is a pretty cool um, get it done button pusher. Cause he's got a killer hacking device. So you can stick him in cyber mask and have him sneak up and push buttons if you need to. Mm-hmm. He's under deployment skills, but he's got stealth, which means that he can walk through um, hackers without getting detected. Uh, and if he goes, oh, yeah. if he goes into a smiley face, he can also walk through and then he can attack them back through their own stuff because he's a killer hacker. He can do brain bullets at people, which can be handy. Well, I got one of those, so I'll have to well, try him out. Definitely try the Cyber Ghost. He's awesome. Uh, beta troops make interesting ones because they have a bunch of specialist profiles that can, uh, I think, go into a duo in Puro 12. They might be able to go into, no, I it's think, Varangians and Bronzes that can go into the duo. I think in the specialist, uh, the Star, Star Mata, they can go they to can a... definitely, yeah. They can do a Harris or even a Core, I think. They can go big, and then they've got a bunch. They got climbing plus and six two movement and stuff too, so they're fairly fast. I got it. Speaking of uh, of uh, Black Friday deals, I got a box of them coming. Nice. They are. I <laughs> love them because they all look like Chappy. They're my. Yeah, they're one of my yeah, favorite exactly. models in the whole faction. They've all got the Chappy stuff. You give them all gold chains and and lots of like tags and stuff on them. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> all right. So once again, we're talking Shaz Vastio, and we're talking about Team Button Pusher. So who's a? You, I think you just already named like half your button pushers when you named your midfielders. The thing is, is like. All the other guys, like the Shrouded or the Malignos that can do it, the fact that this current season, the M-Drone FTO, like, head and shoulders above the others because they can Harris with the Guilo. And so you can bring two of them with the Guilo in a Harris, getting the tactical orders, Yeah, and they all have nano screens. So they're irrelevant to terrain. They don't even care about cover. Yeah, just walk around being in cover all the time. A nano screen is an equipment piece that counts as always being in cover. It's basically a little, like, floating, like, terrain. It's a it's a cloud of goop that blocks shots. Yeah, and, you like get and, rid of it at all, or is just you just automatically have cover? Not anymore. You just so, have cover all the time. Yeah, Fl- flamers will get around it and stuff like that too. Like template weapons will still get around it, but you just can't yeah. always be in cover. Or is in, there, the, the, the weapons portware right that can ignore cover the the weapons that, that would ignore marksmanship. Cover yeah, marksmanship. Can get around it, but there isn't a way to remove it otherwise. Okay, yeah, um, and yeah, and like the fact that that exists right now, like puts them head and shoulders like the other ones are great i think uh i think a little like a shrouded hacker is is 20 23 points 25 points with infiltration and camo and regeneration and surprise it like with shazvasti all of the the cadmus or sorry yeah the cadmus who's the drop trooper uh he has a killer hacking profile now so he can be a um specialist after he scans and copies all of your statistics ideally the stats of your motorcycles um because it's funny that way and uh yeah caliban's caliban's my favorite there's lots of choices but I it's like affordably the pricey most. the cal the caliban's are relatively inexpensive compared to like the malignos and even some of the shrouded profiles he's a bit more expensive than the shrouded um sitting at like six or eight points more generally but he also doesn't outside of the fact that he's made out of paper he's uh he's got a he can do all the things like the engineer caliban is submachine gun pulsar decharges deactivator gizmo kit um but then he's got camo courage dodge bonus forward deployment martial arts three mimetism protheon stealth surprise attack so he can he can get to whatever button you want and if there's anyone close to it he'll probably kill them as well and protheon's interesting because protheon makes (laughs) i was gonna say protheon even makes you more durable for getting there later on because if so if you explain protein to protein to uh to dan yet 
I, I mentioned that it existed and he <laughs> ran into it, it when I was yeah. I was leaving bodies in our game, but it never <laughs> came up. But effectively, if you cause wounds in close combat, no Protheon is for people like myself, it's no longer a separate tree to martial arts. It's just part of martial arts. Yeah. Effectively. If you do wounds, uh you gain a wound um for each wound that you cause. And for each wound you cause, increase your wound attribute by up to two higher than its maximum. So you can use it to heal. Uh, Caliban's, it doesn't work as well because they don't have a way to keep going when they're, they don't have dogged, they don't have no wounded yeah. cap. Um, but things that, that are bigger than them, like the she skin who has multiple wounds and um, the ability to eat people, she can take damage, heal, and get better as time goes on but for them it's mostly that while they're eat, pushing buttons and things like that you can just eat some of the dead bodies nearby uh, that's right just to just to shore up some of those wounds before you go back into camo and leave yeah and gonna go to be three wound camo murder man because he's yeah. gonna come out of camo he's gonna be surprise attack for minus three martial arts three for minus three and his cc 23 goes to 26 yeah. so he's he's pretty pretty beefy in melee and likes to uh to eat his victims he's got a, a real hannibal lecter shazvasti thing going on and he pushes buttons too when he's done he still pushes the button he's still it's an msv version i don't know why but it exists because <laughs> why not also be good at gunfighting slightly with bs12 it's not terrible not terrible all right so the last and not least one are the support pieces and and this is i think probably one of the hardest things to wrap your brain around when you're starting off infinity is what makes a good support piece. So you look at these and go like, why would I ever take this? It's not good at anything. So the answer is usually that they provide some kind of passive advantage. Like they may be cheap and give you an ARO. A great example is when we talked last episode about Owen's super cheap fire team of uh, Gulams with flash pulses. <laughs> they just stand around flash pulsing. Um, even that Delami kind of fits a support role because he's eight points, completely disposable. And while he's midfielding, he's also there um able to provide an ARO potentially that could just nuke a really expensive piece if they underestimate it um are they like cheap and provide an order so very often uh you'll look at armies like the Galwegians in um the uh, Ariadna's uh, uh Highlander army when they use inspiring presence to make the regular orders Rokots uh, which are cheap chain rifle troops at like six points um, Kuang Shi in the Yu Ching faction are cheap regular orders, uh, and things like net rods and Aleph, um, and the um, <clears throat> equivalent in uh, combined army as well. All of these things can be considered support pieces. Your Almost every badge bot. <clears throat> that's right. Yeah, your seven point badge bot who is like usually a repeater, a flash pulse, like seven points, and a baggage bot, like you said, who's usually at eight points and can reload weapons and stuff as well. So that day Lammy sitting next to a, a baggage bot can reload his. Uh, Panzerfest, and then provide an arrow again next turn after he runs out of rockets. So it's it's kind of hard to parse support pieces. They could even just be a paramedic that hangs out nearby a sniper. Um, they could be a doctor with a pal bot sitting on top of a roof, providing an order, and also sending his little like little mittens helper robot out to to fix the big gunfighter guys when they start to go down. There's a lot of support role pieces, and the type of army you take up to that point usually dictates what you want in your support slots. So if you're taking hackers, you probably want repeaters. If you're taking big beefy wound gunfighters, 
You probably want a doctor with a Palbot or some kind of like a G servant troop. If you're taking a big tag, you probably want an engineer in there somewhere that can fix him up after he loses a fight. So all of these things are good to think about in your support role. And even if they never do anything over the course of the game, often they can be doing things by providing like a repeating net or even just threatening uh, and providing orders to the troops that are actually getting the work done. So what's some... so far to say that anyone who's not one of the other three is a support model. Like, Typically, may, yes. For your list, who they are is going to change. Right. But if you're not doing one of those things, you're supporting everyone else just by being there. Yep, absolutely. That's, that's my perspective anyway. Yeah, what, what I found in Infinity is uh, you have your guys that are doing stuff, and if things go wrong, then you have other guys. But if until things go wrong, they just kind of sit there and either provide a threat defensively or just sit behind and provide another order for your fancy guys to do stuff. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's my experience so far. Again, only two games. But for that, I mean, obviously there's the, there's the specialized support unit Lambda. So that could be either engineer or doctor, and you can mm -hmm. bring little, little bots with them, which I experimented yep. with last game with uh, Parvati. And she's a bit pricey, but it's nice that she's an engineer and a doctor. Um, so you don't have to bring both. Uh, and then I kind of like the blue coat because he's got, where was I? I just had his profile up here. Um, he's got the biometric visor. He's got discover plus three. He's got six cents. He's only 13 points. And you can kind of like sit him in the backside with a heavy riot stopper, which is a really good thing to shoot at people coming around a corner, especially when they're trying to push your buttons um, and an adhesive launcher and just, he's really cheap and you can just sit in the back line and have uh, quite a big threat with his uh, big uh, template. Absolutely. Yeah. For 13 points and that um, ability to have six cents, which means people can't sneak by him. His plus rediscover and his whip of 13 means he's discovering on 16s a lot of the time. So there's a bunch of a natural and weirdly natural born warriors, I think is really cool. He's actually really good at paralyzing people weirdly because he turns off everybody's he's like the 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 like evil train conductor that basically like kicks people <laughs> off the train, I think is what he's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. I didn't even realize he's got CC 20. And yeah. so like, so yeah, he's like, he's sitting brain. there with his like, whatever. And then it's like, okay, someone's probably a smoke grenade to come in and like jank you. And you're like, well, I can hit back. Yeah, and he doesn't, he's six cents, so you can't surprise attack him. So even if you come out of like a camo state, you can't surprise him. Natural Born Warrior, so he turns off all your all your mods. Um, and he's plus one damage. So even though he's fizz 10, he's fizz 11 with his para close combo up in at minus six fizz, uh, which I think is really funny. So he's he's Taze a pretty him. neat, yeah, <laughs> he's, that's what he is. He's a, he's a big billy club like um, train conductor. Getting I need the, to buy six the, of these guys. Is what getting doing. the drunks. Yeah, getting them. We only have two because they're APA two. Ah, he, he kicks, he kicks the drunks off the bus. He's the he's the O twelve bus driver, uh, keeping the rowdies off. What about for you, Owen? What are your what are your support pieces? Uh, Let me you, tell you about yeah. this guy called the covert heavy support unit, Sunduck Butt. <laughs> Wait, what do we say? He's got support in the name. Right. I mean, <laughs> well, this is like this is my perspective. Is that like I view support units as um guys who are doing things without me having to do anything it is the neurosynetics it's the tr bots um less less the 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 cheerleading squad that's just hanging out usually those are to fill out link teams when i play mm -hmm. um and much more you're looking at things like uh like the q drone who is the total reaction 360 visor robot in shazvasti mm -hmm. um 
he he'll provide you a 25 or 24 point order and you can just sit him down and he will do his job and threaten anyone who comes near him and they're great for just putting in the corner watching for any parachutists or anything like that um i have learned in my experience that the total reaction bots um while powerful are are pretty reliably able to be dismantled by by most other factions and that they're not good to just stand up and watch the board they should pick a specific area you want to protect and protect that one yeah uh, I mean, I don't let there be good angles on them you have them yeah. take a take a corner basically and that's their corner yeah or they cover you from drop troops and stuff like that because they're too threatening that if a drop shoot landed they're probably going to die um but things like that in in as opposed to as opposed to like filling a bunch of uh of nox troopers just to have more guys it might be because i'm looking at shots Vasti, who are a little bit skewed for points they don't right. have cheerleaders so you're everyone needs to do their job is kind right. of how that faction works um other factions like you had already listed things like net rods yeah fanuses like, for you was your seven point uh, guy and then you've got your nazmats yeah. to hang out with your uh keep your, your keep doctors. your guns going and your net well your exactly. nazmats keep your um keep your total reaction guys going so if, yep. if you are going to take those total reaction bots, you usually take a pair of Nazmats to sit just outside of large blast template range and uh, and go put that gun back on if it falls off. Dr. Wormbot, excellent <laughs> yeah. guy. He's a support piece. He is, mm-hmm. He's the great doctor engineer bot. He's uh, the med tech obsidian uh, droid. Yes. <laughs> med med tech obs- obsidon. It's Ob- not obsidian. It's not obsidian, obsidon. Oh my God. The obsod mechanoid. Medcanoid, med medcanoid. Yeah, it is. It's, it's true. We just call him Dr. Worm, and that's the reason why. Because the like worm salad. It's true. Yeah. But the word salad of his actual name is unpronounceable. The medtech obsidon mechanoid. Medcanoid. It's medcanoid. It is medcanoid. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I do know that he has slaves. Um, that's, I remember that name. He has prisoners drones. with jobs. He has prisoners with job drones. Yeah. Um, but he does the same role that other doctors would do, only he combines it with the engineer and is short because size three. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's that's my perspective on support units. I always want them to be like actively supporting, if that makes sense. Like you're yeah. either a hacker who is protecting someone, or you're a total reaction, or a neurocinetic, or a mind layer, or somebody who's who's not just going to be like and i'm here to provide an order mm-hmm. is... you see a lot of crossover between your midfielders and your support troops yeah or my gunfighters even mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah absolutely that's, that's my perspective on on the supports that i tend to bring in games cool. um did you guys okay so so those are the four i came up with so in this in this sort of like way of parsing your units can you think of any other like primary roles other than those four that you could come up with? Because obviously I did this and I'm, I ran it by you guys. And and my thought is that these are sort of like the ones that are all top of mind. Now, of course, there can be specific jobs and roles that you can be really good at um, that fall inside these. And a lot of guys straddle multiple ones. But could you guys think of any other top line like roles in Infinity that you could classify people into? I mean, I guess the, to to get down like the the midfielder down to there's like the destruction guy who just exists to make the uh, opponent's life hell. I mean, I guess that's kind of a midfielder always, but like there's just some that do better than others. 
with either smoke grenades or yeah, I don't know, the camel markers and stuff. I don't know. Maybe that's just a midfielder we already described. Mm-hmm. I might be, or maybe that's a midfielder that like crosses over into gunfighter, right? Where they're using their tools to, um, to do actually some piece removal and they're hunting some stuff. They're bullying some like light models and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I almost feel like gunfighters should just be killers. Cause it's like, there's a lot of units that p- fulfill that role. Like they're like the people that straddle midfield and gunfighter, but because there are the, the few melee experts that are out there. Yeah, things that's like my Oni Wabons, things like Speculo Killers, things like like half of Aelith. Like there's a mm-hmm. bunch of guys out there who are who are like point blank killing you or putting you in positions where you're gonna die because they've dropped smoke on your face and that's how they're gonna finish you off. Um like 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 an aggressive support is almost like, what I think. It's, a, it's like a high risk, high reward peace trader. That's that's yeah. what I was gonna call those guys because I couldn't actually think warbands fall into so many of these categories because a lot of them are end up being midfielders. CC guys can end up being gunfighters too with boarding shotguns. There's a lot of times that that those same models cross in other roles, and I I feel like there's almost like an entire episode around close combat in infinity and and template weapons and peace trading and maybe that's a maybe that's a fifth and the worst part of infinity yeah it's true because i peace trading is a legitimate strategy that you don't really see in the beginning because it doesn't feel right to lose a guy but sometimes when you trade that like four or five point guy for like a 20 point you know the button pusher or midfielder it was super worth it um and 15 is stopping that I'm going to call it that from now on, by the way. What's that? I don't know what it has a name, but it's the rule of 15. The rule of 15. The hard hard to the rule of three. That's right. The the hard ceiling. The hard ceiling on infinity. Um, And I feel like that's the only one that I couldn't comfortably fit like every warband piece, melee piece, impersonator piece into um, one of these four categories. And that's like a separate category, but I I haven't wrapped my head around yet. So so look forward to that one in a future episode. It's something in between midfielder and gunfighter. Yeah, it's exactly. somebody who is like, I'm a killer who starts in the midfield. I'm not but here to slow you down. I'm here to remove you. But it's high risk, right? Because it's all it's all about like either melee, which is high risk, or template weapons, which are high risk. Like you or the fact you that you're don't... just close to them. Yeah, exactly. The fact yeah. you're close, that's right. You're danger close, like right away. Yeah is a big deal. So I I don't know, I don't know where it falls, but it was I was something that was in my brain and I'm glad you guys said it too. It's almost like a disruptor, like something that takes a it they're really cost efficient on what they do and then it forces your opponent to use a lot of activations to deal with them. And so even if you're not peace trading, you're activation trading really well. Yeah, which is exactly. Also a yeah. Big deal. Bleeding orders. Yeah. That's a that's a whole again, I think a whole other episode on deployment. <laughs> How to effectively bleed orders. Yeah, the rule of deployment in our later game here. Did you, did you teach him ABP? <laughs> I taught him don't have multiple guys near to each other if mm. you're not watching the direction you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Because if if little Taiga template comes walking up and it's like, I'll just sit here. You activate some other guy. Because <laughs> right. if either of them activate, I'm going to die killing you. Yeah, and how placement can be more important than active turn killing. Mm-hmm. The worst was when I was like, <laughs> okay my i was had a cyber ghost and i was like gonna run him across the field and try to grab that button and then as i ran away his little tiger beast was like i'll dodge and then he dodges like a long ways and all of a sudden he's in range to shoot me as i'm trying to run away i'm like what the that's right he's just dodging <laughs> after you and it's like it's the chain rifles following me why like, is the chain rifle following now me? what do i do yeah absolutely yeah i mean and that's 
that's kind of the joy of infinity, right? Is using your orders and your AROs in creative ways to like update the board state where things are standing, make the puzzle different during the uh, reactive turn. All right, so now we have our roles sort of like defined. Let's talk about combat group templates. So Infinity in its like organized play form, which is ITS, allows you to basically take a maximum of 15 order generating troopers. So someone that makes an order, not like the ancillary stuff like Nazmats and Palbots. And two combat groups. You can divide these up however you like between the two groups when you design your army. This freedom of choice can be really confusing to people approaching the game. And in order to help wrap your brain around it, I've got a couple of handy templates for organizing your combat groups and roles that usually just live in my head. Uh, but I figured I'd share these because they help listeners follow this discussion, like no matter what your experience level is. So there's three templates I came up with that when you are starting to write a list in Infinity for the first time, they're almost like, like first, second, third. I would say tiers of difficulty. They These are the, they go kind of like in order. Uh, the first one's called the limited insertion. This is even a game mode in ITS where you can play with this sort of like this sort of like challenge mode on. And it's defined as a single combat group with 10 orders in it. Now there's some advantages to it. Like it lets you take bigger stat-driven pieces that can reliably get the job done. And you can spend an average of like 30 points on each model. 10 guys, 300 points, 30 points each. You're less worried about spreading around your SWC because there's fewer models, right? So you can take more cool SWC guns. Now the support weapon cost is basically there for things like machine guns, sniper rifles, hackers, guys with fancy tools. Um, but because there's less models in general in your army, you're not sort of as like precious with it. You can take points off your support pieces to take bigger pieces like tags and heavy infantry, right? So if you do take some support slot models that are like seven or eight points, the 23 point difference, right, will go into another model if you want. And not having to keep track of do combat groups is really beginner friendly and it lets you draw from a single resource pool to get things done. No keeping track of what orders are where, who's got what, just a line of 10 orders that you can get the job done with. So and you can as my first game, I did that. Yep. And it was it was wonderful. It was I didn't realize how good I had it until I tried the next one, which you're gonna try. And I was like, <laughs> this is nice. This is great. This is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, you got some good advice with that one. Um, and you can often find extra orders to go over that 10 um, and expensive pieces with like extra orders, like extra lieutenant orders or strategos, um, tactical awareness and impetuous orders can take you above that 10 order cap and give you some extra like room to move around, depending on what you take. Now, the disadvantages, you've decided not to maximize your order pool. So you are losing uh, a number of activations like right off the bat. You've decided you're not taking the full maximum orders. Um, and especially when people start hitting your squishy support pieces, it can feel like your, uh, available resources are like declining faster than if you're taking more. So that, what that basically means is once you start losing orders from your order pool, you feel like you can get less done each turn because you can, <laughs> right? You need to protect your pieces that are, um, generating the orders for your gunfighters and your button pushers. Cause if your opponent starts hunting that squishy support like group, then your other guys get less stuff done during your active turn. You will intrinsically get less done in a turn. So be careful about overexposing yourself in the next opposing turn, right? What that means is look at your order pool and I usually start my turn dividing it in half and I consider I've got five to get things done and I've got five to decide what the table is going to look like when my opponent's turn starts. So five to, to work, five to set up. And then you can put too much faith in a single model. Infinity really often punishes people 
uh, with the swinginess of D20s in the crit system. So if you only have three gunfighters and two of them are down, and the one that you need to do something is way across the table, you don't have very many orders, you can you can find yourself in a box pretty fast with a 10 order group. So you can there's a there's a visual diagram for those of you who've downloaded the uh, little document. You can look at it. Basically, what I've mentally split my team up into is three gunfighters, two midfielders, two support pieces, two button pushers, and a lieutenant. What I like to do is just plug in those jobs, pick some people to, to fill those roles, and then just look at what my points look like, right? So I just pick three gunfighters, two midfielders, two support pieces, two button pushers, and a lieutenant. And what that does is it lets me know who's doing what job when I'm deploying and during the game. So when I look at the table during my turn, I go, well, these two guys I picked as button pushers, they're going to go push the buttons. And I get less sort of like analysis paralysis early on as to who needs to do what. If someone needs to clear the way, well, one of my gunfighters is going to do it. Hopefully I've got one that's good for the, the current raw, like sort of role and job. And I send them in because they're the best I've got. <laughs> I haven't picked anybody else. This is the tool I have at hand. Um, and the limited insertion list is kind of a nice, easy start to infinity. So Oh, and you took some really, uh, I think, like key limited insertion lists early on in N3 and stuff like that. And there's some factions that are kind of known for them. What's the what's the one you played that was sort of like the classic original OG limited insertion list? I mean, Joan Knights is is the one that I played the most of. Um, Joan of Arc with a linked team of uh, Hospitallers or at the time Santiago's uh, is a is was is was you might still be able to do it it's but still it great what it used to it's be. still great the, i think the differential now is there are aros available to people that weren't available in n3 that you yeah. can do things the reactor turn you changes do. it yeah. pretty significantly just uh, by swinging the gunfights by plus three in your favor yeah it changes it quite a bit um that was definitely the big limited insertion one um honestly shesvasti has like usually you're playing 10 like you, with the introduction of Tiger Beasts in the later stages of N3 or early N4 um, have made it that there's a unit worth bringing a bunch of little guys in. But generally in Chesvasti, your guys were just too expensive. Like you can't afford to bring 15 models without really hampering or limiting your ability to do stuff because your guys are so like, you, you even refer to the disadvantage of this. The fact that single models just could die and in Shazvasti, most of your guys are depending on hit mods. So like one enemy model with an MSV or a sensor is going to cause, give you a bad day because you can't yeah. fight them anymore if you don't have that, that, that reserve of miniatures. Um, but if you're going to play a limited insertion list, things like the She-Skin or the Sphinx can kind of offset that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's my experience with limited insertion lists. It's, a, it's definitely a, a different way to play. And the, the core links come out when you start playing limited insertion. Definitely, like, yeah. You're a core link of all good fighters. It's not like a core link where you have like, and these are the two guys who make it five. It's night, 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 night. Or like night <laughs> defersen, specialist, defersen, specialist, yeah. night specialist. Yeah, and Dr. Shotgun, Defersen, yeah. Joan, two other Here's my Janissaries. Here's my Akbar Doctor. Here's my other like... Here's these are all your... yeah here's yeah. my big steel phalanx link there are there are a few like almost notorious factions for doing that um steel phalanx is one where they can take a ton of high-end um mod stacking fighters um on a, on a related unrelated note for a limited insertion list i didn't realize how much cheaper jotum double squalo is 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> they all went down in cost. Everyone you can you can do a solid seven-ish order link or list with three three tackler. I might play this at some point. I think I have two squallows. I still have my two painted squalls and my painted Yodum. I could I could I'll send you the list. You play it. Let <laughs> send me know the list. I will. Yeah. Send me the list and I'll play it for sure. Um horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh what was your limited insertion list you played dan for your first game what was in it let me bring it up i want to see i want to see if if things qualify into these roles so like yeah pull up your list and let's see if it if you just like mentally did this even so like backing th- into this it. was literally a these are the models i have i know and this I is know. how i made it 300 points yeah. So this is you because you gave me these. Models. I know i know exactly i know exactly what it looks like yeah <laughs> but i just, just want to see if, it, if okay. it somehow qualifies so as my lieutenant, I just have a kappa. It's just a okay. regular little old kappa that hides in the background. It doesn't hopefully die. Glorious. Because my Zeta is the NCO, which can use the kappa's lieutenant order. Perfect. Uh, and then I have uh, two more kappas. One is a hacker. The other one just sits in a corner and hopefully doesn't die. Um, but then the hacker can be defensive. Uh, I got Hippolyta, which I guess could be a mid- midfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ran around and chopped things up and laid down fun grenade or the what I learned about is the eclipse grenades. Yes, which, the super which, grenades, which nothing can see through. That's right, blocks everybody. Uh, I had a gangbuster. I had a delta hacker, which I didn't know could actually uh, combat jump. So he, yeah. he just or, <laughs> he I, I really think a button push, but he just he just sat on the back with the camera. Walk today. I'm nice. gonna walk, and I'm like, oh wait, what are these rules? Okay, cool. <laughs> Um, but I also had a Gamma, which is like the big heavy dude with the heavy mm-hmm. machine gun and the Ser- Team Sirius. Nice. Another button pusher or midfielder. Both, I guess. So, yeah. So, I had I had a Delta, Team Sirius, uh, I guess a Kappa. Okay. So, looking at what I have, I have the Delta Hacker, Gangbuster, and... I, and the team serious as like my button pushers and slash midfielders. Um, and then I have as murdery, I have the, the Zeta and CO yep. and Hippolyta and as support. And the Gamma too. With his I guess the Gamma. Yep. Yeah. There's the Gamma. And then support would be kind of everything else. And the I would Kappas. say the Gamma, the Kappas just kind of sit in the back, the blue coat and, uh, and the, I don't know, even these, the, the Gamma, I feel, plays because the, the Zeta is so quick and can run around and shoot sure. everything that you yeah. can see. The, the, the Gamma fits more of a, a support role, kind of goes suppressive fire mm-hmm. and hugs a lane around your one flank and no, everyone's afraid to go that way. That's cool though, because you had all those bases covered though, right? Like you literally just in that yeah. mix of models. And I find that a lot of the action packs and starter sets for Infinity tend to fall into these categories too. You almost always get a mix of this stuff. So like the code one boxes and the beyond code one box usually add up to a 10 order list that looks something like this, that looks like a combination of gunfighters, midfield support and button pushers and a lieutenant. Yeah, Which and I the funny is a... thing was, is I was able to get to 300 points on the dot and six out of six, uh, six uh, SWC, the support weapons. That's perfect. So... On the random grand bag of models that I shoved at you. Yeah. <laughs> Owen, <laughs> Owen helped a little bit, but I was like, can yeah. I do anything? He's like, well, make sure you got this. Make sure you got this. And yeah. I can just adjust the models. 
And that's the really cool thing about Infinity is that uh, you can tweak. You have a model, but you have like, you know, sometimes you have like five profiles for that one model and mm -hmm. you can tweak and up and, oh, if I have extra points or an extra swick, I can add that extra hacker in. And mm -hmm. that copper can be, or, a, he can be a paramedic or something. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, so it's, uh, I started falling apart when I went to more than 10 orders. <laughs> well, let's talk or about that. Let's talk about really talk confused. About that. Let's go over your notes first of general <laughs> right. rules and I'll, and I'll so, tell you how I read your notes, tried to build a list and fumbled. Okay, fair enough. So I call this one frontline and support. So this is a, a first 15 order list that you can try and make. Um, and it's two combat groups divided between 10 and five. And the way you kind of wrap your brain around it is your 10 order is the get stuff done. And the five order is the help them get it done. And when they start to die, get transferred into that group to replenish your order pool to make sure they keep getting stuff done. So advantages, uh, you got a get stuff done pool of raiders and a reserve pool to transfer people in as they die. So it's like an active and a reactive pool. When you start playing with more than one combat group, this is a great way to approach how your orders are divided so you can visualize it on the table. So you, you literally line your tenors up and you know these are my get stuff done the other ones are my defend my base and you'll be able to spend an average of 20 points per model paying for more expensive gunfighters with the cheaper support and tag along button pusher pieces in your list now the disadvantages of our active role group is that it's significantly depleted because of bad engagements or the enemy having an excellent active turn you end up having an order pool that doesn't have enough tools to react so putting all your eggs in one basket as it were and then having like a support group on the other side if you get like severely depleted during a turn or you lose some of your big active pieces, you can feel like you got nothing left to do. And that's because you are spreading your points out a bit thinner. And so you have less spendy stat-driven gunfighters and less spendy stat-driven um, button pushers that are going to get the job done. So you're, you're sacrificing a bit of quality for the quantity of having lots of goes, lots of tries at it. Uh, you're committing all your pieces, uh, removal roles to a single combat group typically. And by going wide, you have less points to spend on your high-end stuff because you're trying to maximize your order pool. Not all factions are created equal in this regard, and some have access to cheaper orders than others, right? So you got to think that things like Ariadne, Hak Islam, um, and the uh, even like certain like uh, vanilla factions like Vanilla Combine, they've got access to some really nice cheap troops. And other armies just don't. Pano would really struggle to do like a wide, wide cheap uh, army because they just don't have the pieces that are wide and cheap. Same with Aleph. They get, uh, I think it's one or two um, uh, like uh, repeater bots and two net rods and that's it. <laughs> those, are your, those are your cheap troops. Everything else is coming in like the 12 to 13 point range. So dividing it up, uh, you look at your big group one, which is the, the 10 order group, three gun, three or four gunfighters, two midfielders, three button pushers and a lieutenant. And then the support team, the five-man group, a midfielder, a button pusher, and three support pieces. So you kind of want that midfielder and button pusher in the support group. Just in thick case things go really wrong, you need to get an objective done. You have five orders to push around someone that can maybe do a little bit of damage or maybe do a little bit of button pushing late in the game when you've lost your pieces in your main combat group. So what do you think about this one, Dan? How does, you, how does your, your list from tonight fit in there? Um, oh, my, my, I, so I had 14 orders in my list that I built. Um, and I was trying, I had a vision where I was like, okay, well, I'll have five orders in another group and I'll put the, the missile launcher bot in that group. Mm -hmm. And then those five guys will just be support. They'll hang out in the backfield. 
Hopefully they won't die. And then my main group will run around and spotlight everybody. And my missile bot will shoot five missiles. And hopefully rinse and repeat. That should be a good, good strategy. Right. But then he brought all camel markers. And I was like, wait, what do I do? Impersonation. <laughs> the smiley face has arrived and that plan <laughs> fell apart almost instantly. I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh, wait. My, my, my list isn't built to deal with this. And I don't have, wait, who's my fighters? Who's my guys who go and discover things? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And that I, blue I, that blue coat became really important all of a sudden and he couldn't be everywhere what was your reserve piece in that game what was the piece you held back after deployment i didn't because uh, he deployed first and right. i also didn't keep a reserve i just went right. all in so he didn't because right. what was there wasn't any purpose after that sure um, yeah. Yeah, yeah his blue coat actually died from a bad landmine yeah that's true too so i forgot but, that my blue coat had all of those abilities because mm, yeah. i hadn't really used them before and i was like okay well he wants to get up and just threaten people with his template then after the game we we're like oh oh he's he's this the guy. was the guy this was the midfield <laughs> piece this was the piece that was supposed to be watching out for all those smiley faces and does and, a really good job of it too actually in melee and he was in group two yeah he's perfect that's perfectly placed that's where you want him he's a defense piece He's yeah, going to sit but, around until he needs to go hunt those those smiley faces. Because some games, there won't be any smiley faces, right? And you won't have a job. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was just kind of... And I also had like a the heavy machine gun um, total reaction bot kind of hanging out. That was also in my reserve. Mm-hmm. And so I think in theory, it's a half-decent list. It's just the execution, not knowing what my models did, and just not knowing how to deal with smiley faces and camel markers that were like in my face, more or less. And I, I think like, he'd probably oh. benefit from playing that game over again, from playing oh, like a, a, a direct action game, like playing like um, even like Uplink Center, which is a great one, or Battlegrounds or something like that, where you you go again and you actually do reserves because reserves are a big part of the game, especially when there's impersonation markers on the table, and that guy could that guy could actually get some work done, or even just become a priority target for Owen, right? Because you both know what he does now, but you'd have a you'd have a much different experience probably knowing you have a piece in your army specifically whose job it is to go and smoke those guys out. I was also really excited to like make him deploy first and then mm-hmm. he deployed right in front of me. And I was like, oh, I can't place mines because like, and then it was a really tall building on my side of the board where I could still put my uh, uh, my uh, gangbuster up there. So the gangbuster did his job and was like up there and he was like trying to find out who the smiley face was. Mm-hmm. But then he couldn't place his mine in a super good spot because he had camel markers all over the place. And so it was like, that made it really hard. And so it would have been actually advantageous for me to deploy first with that tall building. Right. Knowing what his for list the, was. For so the then, reason why he couldn't do that. If you have the mine layer skill, you can't use the mine layer skill to place a mine near a camel marker that's already been deployed, like an enemy one. Or not within its rea- or not within the zone that would cause it to react. Yeah, not in zone of control of it. Yeah. Of a camel marker, but an impersonation marker? The impersonator dropped the mine. Oh, got it. Okay. And then there was another guy infiltrated right behind the impersonation. And then a guy to the left of that guy, and the mine was to the right. So it was got like, it. here's this ring of like 24 inches that you can't put any camel markers in. Hmm. Smart. And then what I was really, I was really excited about the really tall building in my half of the board. So he couldn't take advantage of it. And then he took full advantage of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, Oh, even if I want to go find out who that smiley is, I have to like climb up two levels. And it's like, by the time I get there, he could just shoot me as I come Mm. around the corner. And he's probably some like, yeah. So it was just, it was bad news bears. There were also some hacking threats that were never actually hackers. (laughs) Yeah. And then Owen plays his mind games of, are you sure you want to do that thing? 
Well, I was like, you have to declare each order. Are you going to move? Because if I'm a hacker, I'm going to hack you. If you say that I'm moving into acting and you start rolling dice, I'm going to say, well, I get to do my reaction then. And you already declared what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, slowing you have down. To, you have to slow down for your arrow window. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was the the whole I learned you could do a discover and shoot as a full mm-hmm. owner. Yep. But if you do that and there's another hacker with a camera, they get a free hacking attack against you. That's right. If yeah. they're a killer hacker, then that could be bad news bears. If you're a hacker, for sure. So, so in your secondary group, you had what? You had the blue coat. You had a total reaction bot. What else was in that second group? That the support uh, group. I, bot. I had two capas. So five mans, two kappas. So so there. So those are your support pieces in the kappas. Uh, and the one kappa the, was a hacker. So there you go. Your midfielders and your button pushers and the um, the what should we call it? The uh, the tr bot and yeah. the blue coat. So and now, I had a I had a gamma as a lieutenant, just to kind of like. So gunfighter gamma. So that's gunfighter yeah. number one in that list. Well, what other gunfighters were in the the primary pool? Uh, I don't think I had another one, which is where it kind of fell apart. Huh? Because I was like. Oh, I have my total reaction heavy machine gun bot. That's like a big threat. I have my missile launcher guy. That's a big threat. And then I have my gamma. So what else was in that group? uh, I had a Kappa Ford Observer. I had Team Sirius. I had a Evo hacking fuzzbot. I just had the repeater fuzzbot. I had a Cyber Ghost, the Gangbuster, a Psycop, and Parvati with a little uh, uh, dude bot. Mm, interesting so you had a lot of button pushers a lot of midfield stuff but only one like real dedicated gunfighter yeah and that's and that's where i kind of fell apart i was like <laughs> oh i if i had like hippolyta in that list that she can mm-hmm. like, jump up and and like go mess up things where they're super like, mim yeah yeah it would just like and drop down my own grenades and cover as i come up and like try to you know annoy just just mess up his plan more because basically what he was able to do is completely mess me up and i wasn't able to mess him up too much and then I just, my whole game plan was just dealing with the crap that he was throwing at me. And I never was able yeah. to, to get enough board present to actually go for the button without dying mm-hmm. horrible death. Yeah. You're reaching One, for tools that weren't there because you didn't necessarily have all the, you didn't have a variety of tools for different roles yeah. in that primary group. So my uh, my cap afford observer made a heroic uh, run towards the, the button because everyone was still just hiding on rooftops uh, prone. And so he ran through the open and he got one shot off and he died. <laughs> but if that shot missed i was right there able to grab the button and run away it'd been perfect yeah but amusingly uh, uh i actually the list he played against was the 10 and 5 uh, okay like I, I brought the same thing which i don't normally do which mm-hmm. is actually funny now that i'm seeing because i'm usually the next type of list we're going to talk about but it's also where you can see where my just like i don't play support models like that so sure. my my 10 man group is caliban 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 Knox, 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 Doctor, Speculo Killer, Knox again, and the Mentor, uh, who's mm-hmm. my lieutenant. So essentially, I've got um, five models that are going to be midfield or in outside of his deployment, mm-hmm. who are all either a specialist or chain of command, or so they're button pusher killer. midfield combos, basically, which is like Shazvasti's like jam. And then I have a little Harris team of Knox hackers teamed up with a Knox BS attack guided multi-sniper. The um, gunfighter. Because I wanted to bring a guided weapon too, because I thought mm-hmm. they were fun. But I wanted to bring it on a sniper. Because yeah. that's the, what we do. Because you're one of the weird ones that gets a sniper that's guided. You, you have yeah. the, the eraser rail gun that she's Still required walls. to be a template. So it becomes a blast sniper. Because so of course. <laughs> yep, because it shoots an exploding round. And then I have my uh, my med tech and the lieutenant mentor who are just 
supporters. They're the, my support in that main group. But my second group is a shrouded mine layer who's up there disrupting like a uh, like yeah. a midfielder. But then I have a Cadmus Seed Soldier hacker. So he's the drop troop with the Morpho scan. Button and push. then three Tigers. Yeah, I mean, those are support pieces, I think, too. Like, I think they qualify as midfielders and support pieces because they're... Their job is, like you said, in your game, you moved into line of sight of somebody and then just did nothing. You just yeah. locked them down. You they just, just you passively, out. passively stood there, potentially spit and go at people. But that has them playing the role of midfielder much True. more than yeah. support. And True. this is yeah. where I'm like, I viewed them as support. These are pieces that are going to bait out camo. These are pieces that are going to, um, I can throw these away with very little cost to myself, I can make him use abilities that would reveal what he's got. Maybe he's going to spotlight this one. Where exactly are those hackers again? Like that Definitely. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but they're going to die. And I but think that's might... where you start massaging a list like this, right? Like I, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion that these are starting points. These are just ways of looking at how to write a list. I don't think that the mix of like gunfighters, midfielders, button pushers that I have right. in here is the right one. I don't think that's going to win you games. It's more about just having the ability to classify people and having a good spread of what's available to you. So if, if Tigers are support pieces do, then absolutely. I think that that's, that's a, that's that's not like you know prescriptive that you have to follow a template like this but that's how you've evolved your mindset with the pieces available to you in your army list which i think is really like that's just that's how you grow into infinity that's how you play games and learn what your you know 10 and 5 list looks like over time and i think the key piece is that every other model in that army does a job whether they're a specialist whether they're part of a link team whether they're um a doctor or the support or the, the killer that is suspected or even the lieutenant the mentor who's got nothing else to do he's got counterintelligence so even him he's, he's support he's piece for around. sure yeah he's got he's got decoy and camouflage he's sleeping in the backfield with two extra camo markers and it could be anything you don't know and he's got counterintelligence definitely yeah so that's that's and i think that's the goal right is that once you've done that 10-man list you look at trying to go wide and that 10 and 15 list, if you just have a way of kind of like, I guess, starting uh, to look at how you build your combat teams, it helps you to look at that huge list of models. It's an infinity army and go, huh? So what job does this guy do? And again, it's not about this being the correct mix to play infinity with. It's about when you, when you walk up to the table, you've just got an idea of what every piece's job is. So when your opponent does shove speculo killers in your face, you go, "Huh, well, that's why I brought the blue coat, <laughs> right? right?" And then you 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 put him aside as your response piece when those guys show up, so you have some way of dealing with them. It's about knowing so when you're reaching for your tools in game, what's available to you, and just having a good spread because having one gunfighter isn't necessarily a bad idea, but it does mean if that gunfighter goes down or just isn't able to see the thing you need to kill that turn, then you don't have the tool at your disposal. Whereas if you had two and they're both in different places. And they're both able to, you know, back each other up. And then you've got more options and more tools for when it comes to your active turn to try and get things done. Yeah, I think I think I really suffered from the my first game. I felt like most of the models were were more valuable, which they were, and I got a lot more out of them. Uh, I also had some lucky dice rolls, so they didn't die very fast. So I didn't really. I felt like I had way less activations this last game with the fifteen orders because. I was losing guys too fast because I didn't know what to do with them. And there was, it was kind of like decision paralysis. And then just like the upkeep of like, which guys are in which group and like what orders I'm assigning everyone. Like, wait, 
who's in which group again and like reading and assigning things it's definitely it takes a it's a whole different feel of the mm -hmm. game and uh i highly recommend for your first game to just do the 10 orders or like a one combat group yeah because, it, it, you're not trying to yeah. reach for orders that aren't there all of a sudden because you stuck them in a different group yeah or like trying to spend command points to move people into different groups i'm like i'll do this and i was like wait i can't because those guys are still alive they're on the ground mm -hmm. but i can't they're still in the group so i can't just shove more orders to my lieutenant that's right. Owen, so didn't, just, Owen didn't eat them yet with his Caliban, so you're not no, able to actually. That guy's corpse also was sitting beside my corpses to uh, not uh, get hit by my missiles. I'm like, aha, I got you targeted. And he's like, I'm just going to hide by your corpse. <laughs> that's right. Like, you're not going to bomb your own men, are you? <laughs> I just imagine who whispers, like, you got this. Keep in there. Don't die on me now. To my guy that's slowly dying yeah. on the ground. So no, I, just... I, I think it's much more of a Han Solo saying, "Everything's fine. No need to rock it. That's right. Everything's yeah. fine." That's right. He's, He's just speaking to the guy's headset. How yeah. are you? Yeah, that Speculo killer turns on the like uh, the Terminator Two voice and is just like, "Everything's How's... okay." That's right. What's your darling's name? Your parents yeah. are dead. <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah all right so so that's the 10 and 5 team and that's i think a logical progression from your first game so you you've done the 10 order pool you've tried the you know this is my this is me getting to play with big fun pieces i've got a good idea of like what the roles are now i'm going to start to go wider and divide up my combat groups and so then the the this is where we start to get into task forcing and owen and i have both played armies in the past like this my toe army fell into this category you very often took your hack islam army in this category um and this is called independent teams so it's two combat groups divided evenly at like eight and seven orders each and each contains its own elements and is typically fairly independent of the other although they can be interrelated and stuff still too but they don't necessarily require um support from each other so advantages becomes harder to make a single combat group ineffective at performing the mission when gunfighter contact doesn't all come from the same pool. Spreading your resources across the table makes it harder to make one ineffective without a bunch of extra work. Uh, it also limits your instinct to, and I quote, go ham when you're on a streak of getting things done, uh, and it's going to be curtailed by limiting the resources on one side. When you've only got like six orders as opposed to like 10 or 12 in a pool, you're way less likely to sort of like stretch your order pool out thinking it's going to go into forever because you know you have limited resources. You're going to become more task oriented for each piece and you're going to start to think about allocating your orders for the turn even before you start moving or issuing orders. So something when you only have six or seven orders, you look at them and you go, well, what is this group need to get done this turn? I've got three to do this. And you're going to count your orders out and put them even next to your units to like look at what your resources look like. I find once you get to the point where you're able to play with um, in independent teams, you've get, you've gotten really good at managing your orders. Now, some disadvantages, you're putting a hard ceiling on how much each piece can get done during a turn, and a series of bad dice, like for whip checks on an objective, can really negatively impact a turn because you've just got less flexibility for backup plans on a single model when they just refuse to get that job done. I had that last game when I played Chase and my bot or not chase actually when i played jordan and my um my bot just refused to pass his whip check to flip that console um and you're also gonna have to mentally keep track of who is in what group and where they're spread to on the table and this can be tr like really taxing in early infinity games um if you're not going to use fire teams and have guys kind of like teamed up and in groups uh remembering who's in what group can 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 kind of wear you out so uh, you've obviously not had any experience with this, so I'm not going to try and call on you, um, 
Dan, but Owen, why don't you tell me a bit about your experience with independent teams and like what armies you've you've successfully used them for in the past? Well, in that tournament that I had not played in in forever, I actually played exactly this. Um, and I was playing Assassins because, of course, it's Hakuzlov and that's what I usually play. Um, it is challenging because it, it 100%, if you don't, if your guys don't do what they need to do, uh, you're going to, you're going to suffer for it. Um, the list that I played the most of at that event, um, in the first group, we had Aljabel, who is a infiltrating um, smiley face. And he's a close combat guy with smoke grenades. Then he had a Fide, who is another smiley face that infiltrates with smoke grenades. Two of the Rafik robots, who are my runaround button pushers. Uh, the Sunduck butt, who I've talked about already twice on this, this individual episode. Uh, and then the Shuje, who is another fast runaround do jobs. And then two Ghazi Mutawiawas, uh, who are the support in that group. And then the second group was two more Ghazis with a three-man ghoulie team, um, notably a doctor plus one command token lieutenant and an NCO with a grenade launcher. BAR, who's my go forward and get jobs done. He's both like a mix of the midfielder gunfield gunfighter and another fide for another smiley face. Um, and and it's, it is very effective when you, when you play against people now, some of my games, the dice didn't go my way, or I, my opponents just made more optimal plays than I did, and I, I didn't win everything I went to there. Um, but putting down Aljabel, Fide, Fide, then I don't care about the orders. My opponent can waste his time trying to deal with me. I can just sit back and, oh, try and discover me. Try and discover me. Try and discover me. Yeah. And then I, my song to butt is sitting in the middle of the board a standing camel marker with another standing camel marker who doesn't have mimetism. So when they ask, does he have mimetism? I'm like, no. And they're like, oh, so it's a mine. It's like, eh, could be. <laughs> Maybe. And then a tag jumps up to move forward and eat the mine. And then the tag takes seven armor saves and dies. <laughs> um, and that's just how it went. And then Gazis being Gazis walk around with their little jammers and chain rifles and dogged. They cleaned out any of the skirmisher troops. And it happened once in that game where my number, or sorry, my NCO ghoulie grenade launcher, who is eating the lieutenant order to lob like on threes grenades across the board, rolled a one. And he hit a small Harris team and killed a, uh, what are they called? What are the biologically engineered guys in Bakunin? Post-humans? No, in Bakunin. Uh, no, they're like uh, cheap, cheap Uber fall commandos. Uber fall commandos. Uh, not oh, that Morlocks. Morlocks. Morlock. Yes. Yeah. It was a Morlock in a Harris team. <laughs> and it just nuked him with a, a roll of a one on a grenade. Blew a bunch of Morlocks. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Pro, pro mean, in you the get, backfield. Just yeah, and you got you got that. You're just spec firing wildly with your lieutenant or C might as well. Because you're not yeah. doing anything else with them. Exactly. And they're so, sleeping it off because it's up to the AR and the Fide up there to actually do stuff in that group. And so you got some efficiency too of the two little teams because you had uh, Harris, I think, in each one of those teams. So your your orders are going a bit further because you're activating multiple models of the same orders. Harris and one, also... the other one didn't have the Harris, but it had um, Tackleware with right, the Tackleware. two Rafiks. Mm -hmm. So it it's a little bit there. It's mostly that everyone in this fact, like in this list, is a with the exception of the Harris team, are all like solid fighters. Like yeah. there's no there's no bad 
guy in this group, they also sit around 25 or more points. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's the other side of the coin. Yeah, you're cheaper, your your Delamis and your Gazis and stuff are paying for those extra like five to ten points per model, but you're floating around that 20 point mark. Yeah. Or 50 for mm-hmm. one individual. Yeah. Or even I guess uh Algebel is 33, which is a no joke point cost, especially now that they've nerfed martial arts, which I didn't realize until I got into that event. Yeah, that too mar- nice anymore. Yeah, martial arts four isn't too nice. Yeah, yeah. Because that used to be his big thing, was that he was martial arts four yeah. instead of He's burst too. Yeah, you got to bring friends now. You got to bring friends if you want the burst. That's the thing is the the martial artists with uh, sync bots. Sync bots are the ones that are are way fun because they get them extra dice. Play JSA and have martial arts five. You can have or play JSA. <laughs> That's right. Bring, bring bring Shinobu. Shinobu will get work done. Yeah. Um. So from my from my side, uh, a lot of times when you want to go to like an independent teams list, you're looking at armies that can either take multiple Harrises or even multiple core choices. And have relatively cost-effective models. So a lot like the hack list that Owen's talking about. I used to play Toha like this. Toha are famous for being able to take unlimited Harris teams. Uh, they're triads. Uh, and you could build them out to do uh, almost any job. So I very often would take two uh, MSV2 snipers. Owen hated these. Um, my uh, my two McCall... Or, um, uh, no, no, I hated calls. them because you put the critters on them. That made them put, that's right. And well, it's right. You also give them chain of command chocobos. It list design point of view. Basically, it had all of those things. It had little Harris teams that each had a button pusher with them, a gunfighter, um, and some type of support piece that could move around efficiently. So even if I didn't have a lot of orders in the pool, I was getting my pieces where they needed to be. Um, I had warbands and um, peace traders in my McCalls with smoke grenades that gave me mobility. I typically also had a bunch of uh, sort of random support pieces in the form of um, flamethrower baggage guys uh, and even some jump troops. I had some uh, super jumping uh, hollow echoes that could go around and, and get a bunch of work done. So you 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 have like a bunch of list design stuff you can start to do when you get independent teams. But a lot of times when you start working on independent teams, your faction actually matters a lot. And so that's why this is kind of the level three of list design. Um, when you're playing factions like Toha, JSA, Ariadna, um, a lot of the N2A armies actually have access to like multiple Harrises and some sort of neat, like little smaller independent mid-range piece uh, teams. Plays a lot of this too. Um, and Alef can do it actually All quite well as well. Yeah. Yeah. OSSS can do it quite well. Um, and that's actually one of my plans for OSSS in the future. Uh, and so I came up with some example lists here in the document. I'm not going to spend too much time on them. Um, but there's like an example here for each one. So this was more for people downloading this later on. If you're not listening to the podcast, you can kind of get an idea of what I'm talking about here. So my, my limited insertion one, um, it's got sizable hitting pieces. There's an Asura Lieutenant uh, with a multi-rifle, a proxy marked through with an AP Spitfires, gunfighters, a Rudra, which is a K1 Marksman uh, gunfighter, uh, some button pushers in the form of like a proxy Mark II hacker can infiltrate in part body, uh, Trisha N33, who's a support piece. Uh, with a Yud bot, so she can put the arms and legs back on the Rudra. Uh, Andromeda is a button pusher. She's also kind of a cool midfield piece. Um, the Dalith, which is a button pusher. Um, it's the new combi rifle toolbox bot. And then uh, some support pieces in the form of like a Lamed, a Probot hacker with Evo, and a Probot um, just support piece deactivator too. So you've got lots of orders uh, pushing forward your button pushers and your your hit pieces to go and do work. I My front really line, feel... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I really feel like with if you're going outside the 10 orders like main group you really need to start taking advantage of the 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 teams or whatever they're called yeah the efficiency like like teams fire teams yeah yeah 
Yep, definitely. Uh, but you don't have to. And actually, some of the best, actually, one of the monster uh, 15 order combat group, uh, like 10 5 lists in the game for a little while was the Avatar and just vanilla combined army because they had access to things like their little net rods, taigas, um, cheap troops, warbands, and the Avatar, who is the, the preeminent gunfighter of the game. Who can do all the jobs? Uh, He's the brings, best individual model. Yes, <laughs> brings four orders to the table by himself because he's tack aware, has an order, and has lieutenant level two. Uh, he's also mimetism minus six and has just giant screw you stats when it comes to like his just raw style. I think he's armed BTS nine or something stupid like that. Yep. Um. So yes, there, there. It's it's true, but there are armies too that can get away with not having it just because of the mix of troops that they have. Okay. So frontline and reserve that 10-5. Um, I switched gears a little bit. It's got a full Dakini link. So it's got um, a paramedic, paramedic, Dakini with a grenade launcher and a heavy machine gun. Now these are robots that can be given upgrades with that marksmanship uh, hacking power to make them into button pushers, support, or gunfighters. Um, and then they are joined by an MSV2 gunfighter with a Spitfire. It's a D.Va. Um, and that's to hunt down those camel pieces. So nice, big, flexible, counts as full link bonuses link. Uh, with repairable guys and some support pieces in the form of net rods, uh, Dayloth remote, so that um, gunfighter button pusher combo in the new toolbox remote, uh, proxy Mark One and Mark Two, Doctor and Hacker for support and button pushing with a Udbot, and then that same Asura Lieutenant hanging out with her gunfighter role, and she's got um, Trinity plus one damage upgrade on her hacking device plus that also gives her cyber mass, so she has every single hacking program. Uh, then in the support group, it's just all support, two Lamed, uh, flash pulse bots, a probot with deactivator, the Evo hacker, and a Shukra with chain of command, because you have to assume at some point that a Sir Lieutenant's going to die, and you don't want to go into Lost Lieutenant. Uh, and then my independent team's one, again with the Asura. Uh, she's my gunfighter in group one with the Rudra, Kaylin Marksman. And then we got Parvati making a little Harris, uh, two net rods, the Lamed. Uh, probot with um, baggage and a war core for some flash pulses. If you don't know what to spend three points on at the end of the game and you're not playing combined army, have a report with a flash pulse. It's a three point support piece and you can basically proxy any of the HVTs as one. <laughs> they, if, they, if they've got like something that looks like they can write, <laughs> like they could be, you know, just a reporter getting the beat from the street. Have them join your army. Uh, and then the other group, we got a Yadu NCO, a Yadu Hacker, and a Semek FTO Rebot. Uh, and the point of that is the Yadu NCO can use those two lieutenant orders because she actually, the Asura can't use them while she's in a Harris because it breaks the link. So the NCO uses them in the other team because they don't care what team they're in. Um, and then the Delath Rebot, a Lamed Rebot, and a Probot as support and button pushers. So a good mix of gunfighters across the two Harris teams uh, with each group on a, across a mix of like gunfighters and button pushers. Uh, and these make the combat groups flexible. The group uh, two order pool looks like it's only six, but it's actually eight because it uses lieutenant orders as well and spreads them out. So some final notes, just uh, as we kind of wrap this episode up, um, remember these are templates for starting to understand list construction and infinity. These are not big brain concepts. This is three little ideas that you can use to wrap your head around what people do when you look at an army list and where to slot them in and try and make sure you have a good balance of tools when you step up the table. Um, you should freely start to flex both the roles and groups as you get more comfortable with the game and you start to see the value in certain profiles that weren't initially apparent, like Owen was talking about with, um, looking at, you know, his, uh, his little like gribbly monsters as support pieces because they disrupt the enemy. 
Army lists don't win you the games in Infinity, but they do help you absorb the game faster and keep your mental load focused while you're playing. Understanding what your tools can do lets you access them faster and look at each active turn like a problem set that you can take apart with what you have to hand. So that's it. That's my little essay on beginner sort of fundamentals of uh, of list writing and combat groups and roles. So I have, I have a few tips for just from my experience writing a, a couple lists. Jump in, Dan. Uh, one is um, if you can print off your list, use the ability because there's a lot of special rules, which are not hard to look up, but they're hard to look up and see which rules you have on each model as you're going through in the app. There's just a lot of information. It's really hard to parse that. So if you have something printed out where you can like look quickly and be like, wait, which model had that again? Instead of like click, it just it does quick. It, just, it does do a quick ref for you too of all your weapons and profiles at the, the second page of the list, which is awesome. Speeds up play, but also you don't forget about you know your blue coat having the ability to uh, deal with camo markers effectively, <laughs> and then and then having a, a a much poorer experience playing and than you otherwise would. Um. And then, uh, what was, I had one other thing. Well, yeah, just what I mentioned before, start with just the, the one combat group. If it's your first game, uh, you can try, but it's, it's, you can get confused really fast with all the different orders. Uh, and so it's just having to keep track of everything else with all the other rules as well. It's just, it's, it's a bit overwhelming. And it's, and it's fine, but it's just, it, it almost takes away from the gameplay because it feels like you're doing so much uh, just upkeep and uh, just, it feels like you're not playing a game. It's like you're taking a test. More, mm, more you're trying, so you're trying you're, to figure out who starting. should do what. Yeah, you're trying to figure out who should do what as opposed to just or actually even just, trying to t- solve the problem. Or even just how many orders does each group have and what who's part of which group again? And like, wait, who's down now? So wait, who's affected by what? And it's just, again, printed lists will help out with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also all your models look similar to your to you when you first either because the, they're not painted or because you know things are in theme and until you see something a while everything looks the same uh and so you're trying to figure out okay what what even is this model and then does it have an order does it not like where is it so just keep things really simple to start off uh, before going else and that be my uh dan beginner pro tips <laughs> yeah any comments on no, I mean, it's pretty covered. Um, I don't have much to say about making the different lists other than Dan, Dan's gone over the biggest thing, which would be um, just make sure you have all your tools. Print off your list, makes it way easier. Sweet. Well, then that wraps up this episode of Tactical Awareness. I'm just going to go through a couple final things. First off, I want to thank our 10 patrons who jumped on and some of whom were listening to this podcast tonight um, in the, the, paid, the Discord recording studio. Um, so please, if you want to take part, you can jump in on Discord and chat with us anytime. Um, and also, if you're in the Patreon, you can hear this episode early. It'll be going up on Thursday, we record on Wednesdays. Uh, and it'll be going live for everybody else on Monday. Um, I want to say that we are 13 out of 20 registered and confirmed now for Winter War for January 22nd here in St. Catharines, our first event. So huge thanks, everybody who's registered. I'm really excited. Obviously, I got a bunch of work to do to get the last of the tournament prep ready, but I'm just excited to see everybody and get to hang out and play games. Um, so there's seven spots left. Uh, and once again, you can, um, if you didn't receive an invite from me on OTM, uh, then you can go and register on the OTM website on the Infinity the Game website. 
and other than that, I think that's it for now. Uh, tell us in the comments again on Spotify um, or in the Discord. You can come chat with us. It'll all be linked in the, the show notes. Uh, what you thought about this episode and future topics you would like us to discuss. Uh, so that's it for me here in Southern Ontario. And See that's, you. <laughs> Say goodnight, I, Alberta. I, I have another game tomorrow in which I uh, am excited to get thrashed in again. See you later. All right. Sweet. What about you, Alan? Do anything? Uh, Saturday is Infinity Day here in Calgary. So I intend to go and uh, I might try and Yodem double squallow. We'll see. <laughs> Do it. All right. Not everybody. Have a great day.